everyone, welcome to episode 604 of Conversation Street, Coronation Street podcast with me, Gemma. And me, Michael. Today ho, 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 it's Christmas everybody, early Christmas on the podcast. What are we doing? Sorry, I didn't mean to Today we're talking you. about episodes broadcast in the UK between the 27th of November and the 1st of December, episodes 11,121 to 11,126. Oh, yeah. Yes, happy Advent everybody. Tis the season of Christmas and um, what else happens in December? Our lots friend of, Charlie's birthday. Lots of other festivals. Doctor, other festivals. Yeah, that other people celebrate, and we don't. We've got the new Doctor Who that's going on. Enjoyed last week's episode. It's all good. Everything's happy at the moment. But was Coronation Street good this week? That's what we're going to find out in today. Well, we know already. You find out what we think later on. Um, what have we been? What have been up to this? We had a good weekend last weekend, didn't we? We went down to London, like we said we would on we the didn't. podcast. But what? We went up. Up to London. I still say down to London. I'm still used to it. All, all these years living in Southampton, it's still down to London to me. We went to London because partly um, we wanted to just go to London because we like it and we haven't been for a while. Gemma particularly enjoys shopping in London. Very busy, wasn't it? Didn't enjoy it this time, I'll tell you that. It was happened. probably the busiest we've ever been in the capital. There was, there was a march going on there as well as the early Christmas shoppers. Didn't even manage to buy any Christmas tree decorations, what we wanted to. But the main reason that we went for it was because Julie Hesmond was doing a talk, wasn't she? Eh? She was. She was in conversation. Yeah, not not in Conversation Street, but she was having she was having a good old chat at a theatre um, to talk about her, to kind of publicise her book that was released. How old, how old is this book now? Yeah, two years old, I can't remember. But it's called An Actor's Alphabet. And um, we were just browsing on uh, Twitter about a week and a half or so ago, and you, you found the advert for this this talk that she was doing, weren't you? Well, she she publicised it, and I stumbled across it and thought... Now there you go. How do I how do I get to go to London and also make Michael not just moan about it all the time because of all the coldness and the shopping? I know. We'll go and see Judy Hez. Yeah. And it was great. She was it was great. Now, this book is an al- an actor's alphabet and uh, the sub subtitle is an A to to Z of some stuff I've learned and some other some stuff I'm still learning. And uh, I always thought this was kind of I felt like it didn't, it wasn't for me because it's about acting and I think it's quite heavily biased towards that obviously but when she was talking about the book and writing it and her kind of philosophy on life and and other things I thought you know what I think this is probably life advice in here. Could be worth reading. Yeah and there's also I mean there is a section on VAT because it is an A A to Z (laughs) and what do you put for V? But um, she she did make fun of that in the in the talk. She's so fucking tight. She's so funny. She's so funny. Yeah, she was she was really, really funny. She great. was very very inspiring. A really great yeah, speaker. Was. Um, we, I went along and obviously I just I was very excited to see of somebody who played one of my favourite characters ever on Coronation Street in the flesh for the first time. But even before I went, I thought it's. Is this is this talk going to be for me? Is she just going to yeah. be talking about the real nitty gritty of, of of art, darling, and and things like that? But I I was enthralled from start to finish. She she talked about just life. She talked about coming going into the theatre. She talked about working together to build a theatre. I know, when she was younger. Not even not even just like the kind of um, bricks like and mortar, not metaphorically. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> It was it was fantastic. Um, it was it was interspersed with readings from the book, um, and it, it was it was just I think it was somebody who worked at the theatre who was interviewing her there, wasn't it? I can't remember her name. Well, but it's uh, it's even though it was only a week ago, I'm I kind of 
I can't think of it. I'm losing track of some of the details that she talked about, but it was really, really fascinating. I didn't want it to end. And when it was only about an hour or so in the theatre, I think, um, yeah. which was about, what, 40 minutes or so of the talk. And then there was some um, questions and answers at the end. Um, it was, yeah, I, I was she's, utterly she's enthralled. Just one, she's wonderful. And uh, I really, really enjoyed it. And I think that um, if you're kind of put off with the concept of the book and you think oh I'm not an actor um I think you should still pick it up because if especially if you're creative there's a lot here about you know she was so you were right she was really inspiring and she's you know talking about self-esteem and um being busy and um just trying to connect with people she talked she talked a lot about kind of seeing normal faces on tv she she talked about how she has got a normal face and she wants more normal faces out there and not just these fake plastic hollywood smiles and teeth and things didn't she and uh, i just i just absolutely loved it um, she was so just warm and engaging and mm. charismatic and as you might expect magnetic she was in conversation with vicky featherstone oh, who is the there. artistic director of the royal court okay. which is the name of the theater in sloan mm. square that we went to um it was really good it was i mean i was um so fascinated and enthralled by everything she said i wish it was longer uh, you can you can get the book you can buy the book um it's out it's like 10 pounds um, from I, I just thought it was lovely spending time in the presence of Hayley, well, you know, Julie, who you played Hayley Cropper you know, nearly 10 years since Hayley left us on Coronation Street and she still had that same warmth and um, every, everything that about I enjoyed about that so character. There, there like, really is. She's, it's got this really inviting energy doesn't she she feels like you know a champion for the little person she's uh, I, I, she's I, very thoughtful and she mm. cares deeply about other people yes um and she's obviously got very liberal politics and she um is always trying to improve and change and grow which i think is admirable yeah she spoke um, about learning from the younger actors that she's worked with as well now um yeah, so so we went to go see this, and afterwards, um, she was doing a signing. Yeah, well, I was I was excited about this when when we when I saw that she was there was a chance to to, to meet her afterwards for a signing. I was like, oh, we're definitely gonna go to that. But well, during the, the talk, <laughs> she also mentioned um, she said something about oh my friend Connie, who I think is here as well, and I was and like, like, oh Gemma, Gemma, I think that's Connie Hyde. Because I knew that Julie Hez was a uh, a good friend of Connie Hyde, who played Gina Seddon in Coronation Street. How long ago was it since she Gosh. left? Gosh. Um, it was around the Not, factory crash, yeah, uh, roof crash time, wasn't it? It's like four, four years ago or so. If that you we guys listened to us Gina. at the time, you would know how much we adored yeah. Gina. And, and yet and she how was much there. Connie Hyde's performance. We really, really rated it. We thought she was wonderful. And um, so the fact that she was there too was uh, just fantastic. Yeah, we so we afterwards we we went out of the theatre and everyone was milling around and going to the bar and you could buy copies of the book um, and then and then Julie was sat down at a desk in the downstairs bit where where people were milling about and um, and we also we bumped into well we didn't bump into we we arranged to meet him um, Ian <laughs> you, Kershaw. You engineered. Ju- I did a meet a meeting. Or I did and bumped into him. He, oh, he's tried to leave Twitter to, to get away from me. But 
What uh, coincidence that you're here when I Instagram. told you that I'd be here too. <laughs> now, Ian Kershaw, who's um, who's a Coronation Street writer who we really rate, and we met. Uh, I think it was was it early this year that we met up with him in Manchester. Do you know it seems what? Like so long ago. I I've I've realised that I've lost all conception of time. I know I have. As somebody well. was I saw a picture of something that apparently supposedly happened in August this year, and I was like, <laughs> that was two years ago. I'm sure it was, but no. But we we had a chat with him, and he was lovely. Um, he's also very down to earth, and uh, you had a good laugh with him. You you were you were you were ex- you were exchanging bants with him. Uh-huh. Like there was there was one point we we gave him a Christmas card at one point, and he's like, "Oh, do, do I need to open it now?" And you said, oh, "There's no money in it," and he was like, "Oh, I'm not even a quid." <laughs> <laughs> but he was great, and he introduced us to Connie because I was like, "Yeah, man, I think there's Connie Hyde here," and he and he talked to her, and and it, it's been. Yeah, four or five years since we've had had any kind of interaction with her. She we interviewed her on the podcast once, and um, yeah, she she ended up chatting with us for a good fifteen minutes or so, didn't she? Uh, yes. About this and that, and I felt, I felt bad in the end that we were stealing her away from her friends. But she she was really I pleasant, we and I, I think maybe we were. And she was asking us about things. She was asking us about our work and asking us about Corey, and we were saying bring back Gina, and she's like, oh yeah, I'd love, like Gina to come back. But she was the loveliest. She, she didn't feel mild away from the the vivacious bubbly character of Gina that that we knew and loved um and yeah eventually she went and sat back down with her with her mates um and we we also had an encounter with somebody else fairly unexpected didn't we we saw Paul from the podcast listening group. Yes, we did. The it's podcast, the podcast listening, listening group. group. I don't know. That's what you all are, isn't it? The Facebook well, group. The Facebook. Yeah. yeah, one of our, our listener, Paul. Paul Burns, and because we were sitting on the second row back from the from the um from the stage and then just before it was about to start we we saw Paul coming down and he sat pretty much in front of us and we didn't want to say anything and I kind of looked over at you and you looked at me and we kind of nodded at each other as if we were thinking the same thing and I was like Gemma I think that's Paul. I think that's Paul from the Facebook group because he's posted pictures of himself quite a lot on social media, meeting various celebrities and uh, going to Doctor Who conventions and stuff. So when um, we were we were the, the the show had finished and we were getting ready to move downstairs, we were like Paul, Paul, hello, it's you. So we had a lovely chat and that was a really unexpectedly pleasant. There was so we we literally I thought I was going to go there, watch Julia Hesman house talk about her book and, and that was going to be the best that we got but it, we we just had lots of lovely meetings and chats with people and, and we talked about Doctor Who as I say he's a big Doctor Who fan we, we talked about Coronation Street talked about the podcast and a bit of behind the scenes stuff in the podcast as well um, and we, we queued up with him for a bit and um, yeah so that was really really nice hello Paul thank you for coming along um, oh, <laughs> that was a funny bit. He did say we were allowed to mention this, didn't he? In the questions and answers at the end. Was he the first hand up with the question? I can't remember. But he did forget the name of Haley <laughs> in his question. He was like, what was it? Tell me a bit about what it was like getting getting the role of the character to be cast as the character of... And we were, stand, we were sitting there behind him watching him just, just freeze with terror as he forgot the name of Julia Hesmanhauser's most famous beloved character. And he's like... It's Hayley, it's Hayley, isn't it? So um, we, we do have a picture of him. <laughs> the the colour draining from his cheeks as he forgot that. But anyway, he said that we could mention that. Um, so that was very nice. And eventually we, we joined the queue and um, and eventually got to chat to Julie the Hes, Hesman House herself. Yeah. Do you want to say anything well, about this? Because I'm kind of monopolising the conversation yeah, a bit. A little bit. <laughs> well, go on. Yeah, I'm going to no, slurp we, my we, tea. We, Will you say a bit more about what it was like to meet her then? We were behind in the queue... 
Monica Dolan, who was in one oh, yes. of my favourite episodes of Inside Number Nine, which is Once Removed, which you have never understood. We've watched it five times. The backwards episodes. And you I, can't, I can't get what's happened. No, She's also in the latest series it. of Black Mirror, and she was also the lead in, um, co-lead in uh, uh, The Thief, His Wife. And the canoe, and I wish I had said something to her because she's fantastic. I love her; she's brilliant. But I did. I was too shy. Yeah, we talked because because Ian <sighs> Kershaw went over to speak to her, didn't he? And uh, and you, when he came back to to hang around with us for a bit, like, oh, oh my that? gosh, that's so yeah. Oh my gosh, yeah. Didn't um, didn't talk to her. Anyway, we got up to. She was in front of us in the QC, so it's difficult to to speak to her because um, we were talking to Paul, and then. I did have an opportunity, but I, I bottled it, and uh, then she was in front it was, of us. It was like when we we almost had the opportunity to talk to um, Dirty Dirty Cheese on Toast Lady at the uh, at the theatre. And earlier. and also, um, what's his face from Red Dwarf? Craig, Craig Charles. Charles. Yeah, never said hello to him. No. Anyway, regrets we have a few. Um, I didn't regret meeting Julie because I've never met her and I've never spoken to her. No, I interviewed her for episode 400 of the podcast, yes. I think it was. So that was, you know, going back a good four years or so. Yeah, but um, got got in the queue and um, we had our books because we bought them with our tickets. And we had one to give away, which we'll mention in a minute, mm-hmm. for our Twitter giveaway. And we had one for us. And um, I mentioned, like, oh, do you mind if you sign one for our for a giveaway on Twitter for our podcast. And she went, oh, you conversation. <laughs> we were like, yeah. yeah. She's like, oh. <laughs> um, it, obviously, it, been primed. She to, she knew that we'd be there, but out. just didn't know what we were looking, what we looked like. It's all right. But once once she realised who we were, she was lovely. She's really us, yeah. nice. She, yeah, we got so, some hugs and she just taught. Well, I did ask she was if very, I could hug her, which you did. I just maybe wrong with me but no you got it was really sweet at the end like you you got a little bit emotional didn't you you, you were talking That's about right. our, you no you it was, it was, right. it was, it was really sweet just talking about to her about how how inspirational a character she was and how what a fantastic she job play, did playing Haley. and you said oh can I have a hug and she was like oh yeah of course um well I but, genuinely believe and I, I said this to her that Julie Hesman Halsh's portrayal of of Haley has been instrumental in trans rights in this country. And I've said that, I, I, I firmly believe that Absolutely. without that character, I genuinely do not think that there would have been the legislation that has happened. Um, and I know she talks about playing Haley, and, you know, uh, if she was to be offered the role now, she wouldn't necessarily take, I don't know, I don't know if it words in her mouth, but um, she definitely has spoken before about the fact that she is... Um, a cis woman who played a trans woman. Yeah, and I think it's part of the part of the talk. She, well, I think it might have been an answer to Paul's question. She, she talked didn't about, talk about Corey until Paul asked her. Yeah, I think she said that you know they would have never have cast an actual trans woman in the role of Haley back in the day. So well, she she said it was a joke part, mm. but she, I mean, what can you say about a woman who took a part that was created to make fun of an entire group of people to turn that into something that spearheaded legislation exactly you know what can you say about somebody that played a role with such heart and honesty Mm, mm. and so um 
yeah, so we, we forgot to sign the books. And, and we forgot to post some photos with us. I've got a picture of me, so and, me and Julie Hasman house, which is lovely. It may, may end up framed on our curry wall behind us. <laughs> it was funny when you said, can we take a photo? Because in the queue, me and you had been discussing whether I should have my glasses on or not for this, oh, hasn't gosh. Because I, I often wear my glasses on the weekend and not during the week. And I was like, oh, don't really want don't really want my glasses on with this. Shall I, shall I go glasses on, glasses off? I was having a bit of a, a will moment there. Um, and so, Oh, glasses well, the stalker. Glasses on, glasses off, will the stalker, yeah. exactly. Um, and, and as we were posing, you were like, oh, take your glasses off. And she, she kind of like... Julie, Julie talking, had glasses on. Julie has had and glasses on herself. Look, she's like, like, you want me to... Like, and, she was kind of like, are you seriously <laughs> telling me to take my glasses off? She's like, okay. But you but said, she no, was, no. She, you were like, no, I not said, you. Michael, no, Michael needs to take Michael his glasses off. Michael wanted to take his glasses off. She went, well, I'm going to take mine off as well. Yeah, so we both <laughs> took our specs off and we both posed nude faced yeah. on the camera and we laid ourselves bare you, you didn't look like nerds we didn't look like nerds at all we looked no. really cool you got away with it <laughs> yeah um, obviously Gemma did not get a photo taken with her hair but no you were do there. you know why Cause I had my glasses you, you, on yeah you haven't got contact lenses on had you? you had to, had to wear your glasses there yeah. but anyway it was really really lovely I'm so chuffed that we got to meet her after all this time honestly we, we, when, when it was I think Corrie's 60th anniversary one of our Patreon episodes was top characters ever and I think I had Hayley at number three I, I love her that much and I'm so enjoying watching her on the classics again she is an absolute Coronation Street icon and being able to, to meet her and, and tell her and you know, I, I, I don't get starstruck in front of Corrie people anymore. I wasn't starstruck in front of her. Oh. I, I, no, I wasn't. I, it, was, it was just somebody who was absolutely lovely and I wanted to make sure they knew how lovely they were and how appreciative I am listen. for what they gave to Coronation Street. So I hope that I was able to portray that in a way. Julie, listen. You are brilliant. No, listen. No, listen to me. You're great. No, you're great. Listen. Sit down, listen. So, there was, so that... Meeting Paul from the Facebook group, meeting Ian again, he's always a great laugh. Meeting Connie Hyde, complete and utter surprise to meet she's her. So, Somebody who I again was my one of my favourite, favourite characters uh, back she's, when she was in. She's quite it. tall, it isn't was, she? She is quite and tall. And she's got great hair. Yeah, 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 yeah. <sighs> Some people get all she, of she, well, she talked about her Scandinavian roots, didn't she? Because she, did. she was asking me about languages I speak. We had to speak. chat about Copenhagen. Yeah, we did. And uh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, Connie was there to get some lacrucet in the sale. She wanted to get a lacreen lacrucet, a lacreen, a green lacrucet pot, didn't she? Well, I hope she did because they would have made an excellent weapon for getting through the crowds. Oh my god, honestly, it was so. It was so the busy. worst. I listen. I've been to Harrods on Boxing Day for the sales in the shoe department, and I was more comfortable and had more room than I did at any point in London that day. It yeah. was so stressful. It was it was It was Black fun. Friday, like you said, there were demonstrations going on, there were people left, right and centre, and we went to so many shops that we just walked straight out of because it was horrendous. Yeah, yeah. But at least the beginning part of the day was at the We should have just gone home after that, lovely. honestly. I had so many grand ambitions. <laughs> but anyway, we have a winner for we, our we competition. Do, yes. When we got back, we put um, our competition on Twitter. So I hope you guys were able to see that if you follow us on Twitter. And we all, all you need to do is like and retweet and, and subscribe to us on Twitter. Oh, what's the word? Follow us on Twitter. Not Twitter, obviously. X. We had a, this is this our first X competition, I suppose. Um, and and thank you to all the, all the people that, that entered. But we did a, a draw earlier on this evening and that randomly picked. And I'm sorry for this person if you've had to wait 20 minutes of the podcast to, to find out whether you're the winner. But congratulations to... At Lupilo7038228. 
Congratulations, what a lovely username you have. So a copy of the Actors Alphabet, and Actors Alphabet, I do apologise, um, will be winging its way to you. We just need to get in touch with you and find out where you live. And it is signed by the lovely Julie Hairs. And we have got a photo of her signing the book as well. Yeah. So you can print that out and put it next to it. Put if it in like. the book. Yeah, exactly. As a bookmark. And um, yeah, enjoy. And enjoy the chapter on VAT. Yeah, that, I, I hear it's the best, the VAT chapter, honestly. Um, okay, so... I think that's about it for our weekend adventures. Uh, that may be the most passionate and happy we feel for the rest of the podcast because I'm not going to say it was another vintage week of Coronation Street this week, but um, we'll do our best with it. Maybe we'll get a little um, little funny stories like Audi making a nest like we did last week so to, to <laughs> liven it up a little bit, I don't know. But um, we do have a quiz and birthdays to get through first before that. I don't think there's anything else, is there? Anything else we need no. to mention? We put out a new Patreon episode. Patreon was last night, wasn't it? That was quite fun. We did top five disgraces to the medical profession. It's great. <laughs> Where we counted down um, Corey's many... Um, Nefarious, nefarious nurses uh, and medics. deadly doctors and uh, rotten receptionists. Yeah, well done, Michael. Thank you. For, uh, so uh, anyway, go go and check that out if you're on our Patreon. And if you're not Bistro a patron, join. It's the best time you to join do. in December oh, yes. because your money will go towards a charity that we select. Uh, pretty sure I know which one we're going pretty to Pretty sure we might be donating um, to an MND association sure. this year. So uh, you can access <laughs> all of our back catalogue. Um, and you, uh, if you do it at the beginning of the month, it's better because you get the full month then. Because you have to pay as soon as you access I think so. it. I don't really understand You it. guys know. Anyway, anyway. Oh, we also did our bonus podcast this week about Vernon Tomlin, which is kind of fun. Hope you, you enjoyed you that if you listened it, to it. talking smack about him. And then at the yeah, end, I came you out. I, I changed my mind about him somewhat character. over the course of the hour. The hour. I can't believe we managed to squeeze an hour out of Vernon. We can squeeze an hour out of anything on the show. Right. Almost squeezing an hour out of our trip to London on Saturday right now. So we must move on. And also, can I just oh. say, it was thanks to our patrons that we were able to go to this um, We did use some trip. of our patron funds, yes, to buy those tickets. Did Thank buy you very tickets, much. get there. Thank mm-hmm. you, everybody. It's It really does make a difference to be able to do these things to, to Ooh, chat with you. Speaking about Power. tickets as well, not with Patreon money. This is my dad who's paid for this. We are going to be going to see Todd Boyce in Panto this Christmas, aren't we? Yes. Yes, we are. He's going to be playing a baddie. I can't remember the Demon name. Demon Vanity. Demon Vanity and Mother Goose at Derby this year. So, um... We'll find out about that. We'll find out what we thought about that in, the, in, the, in our New Year's podcast. Is anyone going to see it? Let me know. Let us know. Yeah, yeah. Come and tell uh, us. Is anyone going to see any Panto, Cory Panto people? Also, write in if you've ever seen somebody from Cory do a Panto. Why not? Because they, they do think, tend um, to do that. When Wendy they... Peters is, is doing something at the moment. I've if seen on her Instagram. If you get a chance to see Wendy Peters in Panto, do it because she's fabulous. She's brilliant. She's brilliant. Of course, not the best thing that's happened on Instagram this past month. I've just been enjoying the story of Sally Ann Matthews and her and her new mattress. But um, it's over now. It's here. And um, I hope she had a very nice night's sleep what a on saga. it. saga. It was. She, she did have a saga. I enjoyed <laughs> that very much. Thank you, Selfa, for, for keeping uh, us entertained, not just with your acting, nights. but your uh, right. would you pleasure like a... for that particular bad company. <laughs> yes, I would like a quiz. Should we, <laughs> should we get a new sponsor for the podcast? Oh, yes, new sponsor. <laughs> well, new? What do you mean, new? The first one. First ever sponsor can be a terrible bed company. Okay. Okay, right. Go on then. Go Queers on. Where's time? 27th of November to the 1st of December. Year's ending in three and eight. And I source this information from coronationstreet.fandom.com. You one me stop with that source for all Cory knowledge. I've got one other thing that I need to say, but I'll say it in a minute. What is it? Oh, no. Well, two, really. You'll forget. Oh, uh, okay. I wanted to say that we're possibly not going to have a bonus podcast this week. Tis the season of lots of things happening. 
<laughs> and going to see people and uh, and also there's still quite a lot of work that I've got to do this weekend. But in two weeks time, we're absolutely going to be having a bonus podcast because that is when the Conversation Street Awards 2023 nominations are going to be coming out. Are you excited about this, Gemma? Mm-hmm. Look at this excitement on Gemma's face here. Yes, the Conversation Street Awards, where you get to talk about, well, not talk about, we get to talk about it. We get to talk about who you're voting as the best things in Coronation Street in 2023. So um, look out for that coming soon. We have got a new category this year. Oh, yes, we have. But you'll have to wait a couple of weeks to find out. That's what I wanted to say, Gemma. You want to say a quiz, so do it. 27th of November, 1968. Who does Lucille want to run away with so they can get married? Gordon Clegg. Correct. I've heard of him. 28th of November, 1973. Who does Albert Tatlock propose to? Ooh, Albert Tatlock. Um, I think I'm going to say Minnie Caldwell. Minnie Cal- would, would that be your answer? Yes. Yes, correct. Yeah. <laughs> well done, Michael. Well done, Michael. Twenty ninth so of November, nineteen ninety three. What was the title of Phyllis's poem that won the poetry competition? <sighs> oh. An ode to Percy. <laughs> it's ode to Percy. Yeah. Oh yes, nice. How did I get that? And I have, come on, come on. I have copied this down so you can read it in your Phyllis voice. Uh, do you want later. me to? Re- oh, okay, later on. No, at the end of this quiz. Oh, okay. I, I thought you'd want to. I've probably done it at one point in the last 11 and a half years on this podcast, but, you know, I'll do it again well, if you're cultured. over it. Yeah. 30th of November, 1998. What revelation does Ashley come to after attending a terrifying meeting? That's very vague. 98? Um, the revelation? Ah... Uh. No, that wasn't, that was too... No, what you... 98? Yes. Terrifying meeting. I'm not sure. I don't think... He went with somebody to check something out. Oh, okay. I I, I, I I think it was possibly the revelation that Fred's his dad. What terrifying meeting do you think this was then? I don't remember. Well, how would he have a terrifying meeting? I can't remember how it happened, even though I watched it. Was he terrified when he found out that Fred was his dad? I don't know whether it is that. I can't remember. Go on, tell me. Not that. Nothing to do with that. I didn't think so. I think that was 1999 that happened. When, what what was it then? Zoe is in a cult. Oh, oh, it's that meeting. It's the one where we got to see um, Nirav up on the wall. That was a great scene. Everyone's chanting and moaning. Yeah, everyone's chanting and moaning in circle, aren't they? That was brilliant scene. Loved it. It's obviously forgettable. No, you should you should have been, you should have been more specific. <laughs> no, no, it's a no. You say that, but it's a geog- it's a geographical. It's a chronological quiz. Yes. The questions are related to the times. You asked me to make this quiz based I know, on times. I know. I know. Right. Go on. Next. Last one. Let's see if I can redeem myself with the last 1st question. First of December, two thousand and three. Yeah. Why is Maya sacked from her job? <laughs> I've just watched this on classic. Um, sleeping with a client. Yes, yeah. client's husband. Oh, okay. Close enough, close enough. Four out of five. I'll take that. Thank you very 80%. much. 80%. Congratulations. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Birthday yeah. time. 3rd of December, director Gerald Blake and Jennifer James, who played Gina Gregory. 4th of December, Thomas Craig, who played Tommy Harris. 5th of December, Nathan Graham, who played James Bailey. 7th of December, director Claude Watham, or Watham, 
<laughs> I'm sorry. Who knows? Sue Johnson, who played Gloria Price, and Clive Russell, who played Phil Nail. 8th of December, Arthur Leslie, who played Jack Walker. Jill Summers, who played Phyllis Pierce. And writer Adele Rose. Happy birthday. Happy birthday, birthday, all of our Corrie family, and Michael now read us a poem. I wasn't expecting this. Um, I'll, I'll do my best. You, you're a ham. I long. thought you'd like this. I'm, don't I be don't be reluctant and act like you're bashful now. I can't remember what Percy's my Percy voice sounds like. It's not Percy's voice. I mean, my Buffalo's voice sounds like. <laughs> when God made Percy, he was smiling. It doesn't sound like that, does it? When God made Percy, he was smiling. He took two lusty arms and two sturdy legs, and he stuck them on the body of my darling. <laughs> but I think God was balmy. He had made him join the army. <clears throat> this is hurting my throat. That's. I'm not going to do it anymore. Oh, oh I'm sorry. You, you may no. Do you want to do it? You want to have a go? Well, I'll do it. You can do it in a different voice. No, you carry okay, it on. Okay, I'll, right. I'll do it in my best. Um, you do your best, Phyllis. Rather darling voice, shall I? Yeah. When he cooked the meals for soldiers, oh, and nobody was bolder, he cooked curry under fire, and became my heart's desire. He's got a bird called Randy, and he's not the only one. He's always got a smile, and if he wants to, I'll run a mile. And if he wants to buy me flowers, he can do it any day. And if he wants to misbehave with me, I won't stand in his way. That's what Phyllis would have sounded like without the cigarette habit, I think. Probably what she sounded like in her interviews, knowing (laughs) knowing Cory actors of a certain generation all sound so plummy, don't they? They do. Well, there we go. We're we're half an hour into the podcast. Um, We haven't spoken about Cory yet. Maybe that's all the better. We, oh, can I just say as well, TV? can we just give a quick little TV recommendation? We've been watching the Squid Game, um, Netflix, Squid Challenge, Squid Challenge-y thing. So you know that we really enjoyed, well, you might know if you were listening to the podcast a couple of years ago, we really enjoyed the first series of Squid Game. And now they've got actual people playing it. They're not getting shot or anything, they're just getting fake shot. But it's really, really good, isn't it? We weren't expecting it. If there's anybody who watched the first series of Squid Game but hasn't seen this and thought, oh no, it's, it's, not, it's not it, I'll just want series two, honestly, give it a try. <laughs> it's really, really fantastic. Have we watched like two episodes yeah. of it, I think? They start off with, what, 500 people or so nearly? And they're I, going through I'm these brutal really challenges. It's the same challenges as they had on the TV show. And um, it's it's proper tense stuff. I'm really, but we've, I've got so much TV that I need to watch at the moment. But I think that's that's right up there on the, on. It's come to the forefront. Whenever it's like, oh, what should we watch? That's what I want to watch. But anyway, check it out. Anyway. Coronation Street, we will talk about it right now. Okay, on to this week's street talk. Um, uh, not, not the best week of Coronation Street this week. You gave it two bobbins on the street talk shorts, didn't you? Oh, no. You, did, it, did it not grip you, darling? I, I always regret when I say bobbins, and I'm, I'm very impulsive with my scores. Well, it's just you know what is what comes straight to your mind. That that's what it was. That's what it was telling you to say this week. I think that um, you know it wasn't the best set of characters to base the week around. It was a very Winter Brown kind of week, wasn't it? It was very Joseph heavy. Not that I have a problem with Joseph too often. I think that you know little little Flanagan, little William Flanagan, very capable actor, but they he he is just kind of. He's got the tragedy that Ke- that young Chesney has, but I don't think that he's got the cheeky comedy that he also had to balance it out with. So there yeah. was a lot of a lot of action hung on the shoulders of very young 
boys this week. Because mm. you also had um, Liam. Um, was Liam doing stuff this week? He had a, oh, yeah, he had a little you know, bit this week. Well, over the more, past more... couple of weeks, it, it's been a lot of trauma with children and sad circumstances mm. and sort of Dickensian orphans and sad. Do you think it's just because it's coming up to Christmas and, and the time where they like to show, yeah, like sad children on the TV and the hope that we're going to stick our hands in our pocket and, and chuck money at children's charities I, I don't know and, and then it's you know it's like the tiny tim isn't it uh, is eventually everything going to be happy and cozy and warm and lovely on christmas day for for liam and joseph and, they, and all the other tragic children in coronation street what they failed to understand was that the only time i've ever felt bad for tiny tim was when he was played by a small frog <laughs> no he's the he's the ultimate tiny tim isn't he you're right um, so yeah, I, I I don't know whether I don't know how much chat again we're going to get out of the, um, this week's Coronation Street. It was a nice short street talk last week. You, so you say that we waffle on for too long, and what was it like an hour and a half last week? You were like, that's perfect length, but I don't know. We'll see how we go on this week. Um, the storylines that we are going to be covering is going to start off with the um, the stuff that's been going on with Joseph. Um, my storyline title for this one this week is a bit of a Harry Potter reference. I just wanted to use it. I'm calling it Lavender Brown because he got yeah. poisoned by lavender and that was a, a very minor character in the Harry Potter series. But as I say, I wasn't necessarily inspired enough to come up with decent titles this week. We had a bit more of the Ed Gamble story and we had a new character this week, didn't we? We were introduced Sarge. to Sarge, exactly. So we look forward to being able to give our first impressions of him after that. Every time on Twitter or social media... You saw the word pork pie, you take a shot. <laughs> Every time you saw the word pork pie on social media, eat a pork pie. And you... not just one of those little mini ones, a full-on Melton and Mowbray. Jam it in your mouth. And that's how you end up with high cholesterol. <laughs> I do have high cholesterol. If you're not our patron, you might not know this, but I went to the doctors yesterday and they said I have high cholesterol. I did go on about it a little bit on the Patreon episode. I'll try to keep it off the air keep it so under wraps here. everybody I need to eat less chocolate apparently but we are just about to enter the season of chocolate great chocolate and um it'll be yeah, fine it's, just, it's, it's killing me apparently so you know it's not, they didn't say you're dying of eating chocolate they didn't they said everything else on my health test was very good but my cholesterol is too high so. god 10 and 40, eh? Blimey. Um, we've got the Lauren story this week, and I couldn't think of a decent storyline title for this as well, so I just kind of generally called it Lauren Affairs, because it sounds like... Current Affairs? No, Foreign Affairs. Oh, dear. <laughs> I know, it's terrible, isn't it? She's not even having an affair. Or is she? She's, uh, we're still no closer to... Well, we are a little bit closer, I suppose, to guessing what her mysterious secret is and who she's owing her um, money to. Maybe the story should be called Lauren Currency because it sounds like foreign currency, because it's money-related. I'm getting a shake of the head to that one. Um, so we'll do about that one next. Nice to have Sabrina back. Hasn't Sabrina got the best hair, everybody? I love it. <laughs> I think Sabrina's hair is amazing. Um, I think all characters should... It's She's like... I think she's channelling Phyllis Pierce with, <laughs> with the blue with hair. The blue hair. There's only that's... been two Coronation Street characters, as far as I recollect, that have had blue hair. Phyllis and Sabrina. I would love to see Phyllis going, Oh, I love your hair, love. Looks great. Where'd you get that done? I'd love to have it that shade. Yeah, and Phyllis Pierce was a man-eater. Sabrina is a competitive eater. They've got a lot in common, That's true. These two. And have we seen any of that? No. Can we please have a festive 
competitive. Well, I wanted to say, I wanted to have her just scoffing the whole of that birthday cake of Lawrence today, Bruce Bogtrotter style. But mm. uh, we just had to use that to imagination. Well, and special. I do hope that they, I do hope that they keep that element of her personality They've because forgotten. there's not there's not much of a personality for Sabrina at the moment. As much as I adore her. Um, it, it, it does feel that she's being used just as a plot device and not somebody who they really want to develop as a character, despite the fact that she's been in the show, what, three, four months? On and she's, off? She's much... I, 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 I really respect Lauren's actress. I, I can't remember. Kate, Kate Fitton. She's, she's really good at it. She's great. But the, the character, I feel, <laughs> has... It, it just got irredeemable quality. She's really, really feeling unsalvageable. It's pushing. She's really pushing my buttons, I'm afraid. Yeah. And and I think it's making it worse that Coronation Street are clearly trying to make us forgive her and feel sorry for her. And I'm just saying, you can't get us... You can't trick us that way, Coronation Street, by telling us how she ain't got any friends. She just can't own up to anything she's ever done wrong. and she And she just feels too sorry for herself, which... You know, personally, that's my personality, <laughs> right? But it doesn't make a compelling fictional character, does it? No. It might be very understandable, yes. And but, I know it's tragic it's not, that her dad plucky. was kind of pimping her out and stuff. She's not but... a plucky, like, down on her luck, scrappy, you, Despite everything heroine. that's been thrown at her, she's still kind of chipper, like Becky McDonald she's was. She's not really... She's not. She's just. She's just miserable. She's and just sarcastic moody. and and rude. Yeah, and I'm, and I guess that if if she was maybe just it's a, a long maybe it's gonna be a long journey. To may, maybe it is. I mean, if she was um, just a Becky ripoff, people would say, you, you know, she's just Becky Mark too. But she's she's so far away from Becky. But the problem is, I think that Coronation Street are trying to say, look, everybody, it's the new Becky, and all of these that's... messages about what. I don't necessarily think that's fair, but you've said that so many times now that that's starting to make to count against her in my. I've got a feeling because I because I, I was on a I was on a Zoom call um, with Coronation Street over half this? term. I can say that I was on a Zoom call. No, yes. you'd have to say what you're going to say about it. Yes, I think so. Just that Ian McLeod was saying, "Oh, we've got a history of." Um, I think I think he said this. I don't remember <laughs> making this up. Maybe well. a dream about it. Um, saying, you know. Coronation Street's got a history of getting little oiks off the street and sticking them with Roy and then turning them into reformed characters. I paraphrase him here. And yeah, I, I'm just not feeling it. I'm really, really not feeling it with Lauren. It's not that I don't want to, but the more they're trying to, to shove her down my throat of this poor, this poor woman, um, she's had a real rough life, the more I'm resistant <laughs> to accept. I'm really sorry that I'm the same way. <laughs> and I really love Sabrina. I'm, I'm... And she's the anti-Sabrina. But tonight they did have a nice couple of scenes together yeah. at the end. So maybe I'm totally that's prepared come at any po- point to completely change my mind on her. I want to like her. I really I do. do as well. And it's not like we didn't like her at the beginning. When she first came into the show, well, she was, she's been in it just over a year. Um, we're debating, well, I'm debating with myself, actually, whether or not she's eligible for the A-Up Award was this year. Was she in year. it last year? Yeah, but sometimes characters who are in it last year, if they've only been in a small number of episodes, can be nominated and have indeed won in the past. But if it's you a... set a precedent, you can do it. Yeah, okay. So, so anyway, so she, she I, I found her really interesting when she was hanging around with her dad and Griff and, and Max and Spider and she was they were setting her up with, with Max but 
just on this on this return it's just it's just not done it for me i'm not saying that she's not realistic i think she's she's a very real honest character but unfortunately i think this is this is a really negative thing about modern fiction that victims tend to be really redeemable characters that turn out to be you know overcome the odds and are in the spite of everything you know great people who are honest and fair and, and uh, loyal and brave etc but in real life when you're t- when you're turned when you're abused it can have really devastating psychological effects that impact your future relationships with people for the rest of your life mm. and that doesn't make a fun character to watch so are they Not trying it to can do well, no. Are they trying to make her a realistic portrayal of somebody who's been like d- damaged, and you know, is it irretrievably damaged? And that this isn't to sort of demonise people that have been victimised because we've had the opposite. We've had so many, so many times where people have overcome their their upbringings on Coronation Street. But it's also fair to say that not everybody can do it, and it's not necessarily your fault if you don't have. It within you to to change your personality or you know do you see what I'm getting at? Yeah, of course. Yeah. But I don't think that's what they want with Laura, and I think they want her to be like you say another Becky, another Kylie. Um, but it just feels like they haven't done enough for her to sort of acknowledge. But there's time. I think there's time. I think there's time. Yeah, there there is time. And there... this this might you know we're acting like she's at the end of this redemption arc, but she probably is more. Realistically, in the middle here, where she's doing the wrong things, she, she, then... she's that she's not really done very much to say. Oh, she is a nice person after all. What they're doing, what they're in the middle of at the moment, is showing. Look at the wrong things that she's doing. Look, she propositioned this Roy. This is a far more look, realistic she's... portrayal of somebody or... than anyone else in, that's been in that position on Corrie. Or... Most people wouldn't go. Oh, I'm sorry, you know, and put themselves, put them, put everyone else before them, and. Mm. And 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 there's a difference between making us like somebody because they're actually really good deep down to having like we did this week with the story. We'll get onto the you know the storyline discussion in a minute. That what we had this week was oh people thought that she was bad, but actually she hadn't done the thing which was stealing the money out of the till. Oh, she's so misunderstood. That's different from making the character go out of her way to do something really good and just be yeah. fun and, and, and engaging. But she's, like I said, it totally makes sense that she is the way she is because she's had nobody else that she can ever rely on in her life. Mm. Will she grow to trust Max and Sabrina and become a good person? Maybe, but she's not there. No, no. So th- those that's going to be our Lauren Affair story that we're going to talk about later. I think no about all the discussion. About it no need to talk about it anymore. Um, uh, the, the, we, there was, then there were a few little bits after that. So I've got Wilson, Tully, Connor, and Bully. 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 We had Tully and the Bully last year, didn't we? Which did get a shout out with that lovely scene with um, Liam and George. That was this week, wasn't it? On the bench yeah. when, when George was talking about his experiences with Frank last year. Um, so we'll come to that one next. We've got the Isla story. And then there was a strange... Why are you little... saying the title? Isla Beguila. <laughs> and then we had... I've just written Simone here because there was about four uh, scenes on uh-huh. Monday episodes where Simon suddenly turned into a grumpy teenager, Simon. even more so. Simone. Simone. That's what we were all doing with those bizarre scenes that didn't seem to have any purpose other than filler. You have to wait until the storyline. No, what did six. you just say? What? 
Simone. No, carry on then. Okay. Um, and then there was a bit of Ryan and Crystal stuff as well in today. Again, very Did anybody familiar. else have trouble understanding what Crystal was saying? Because she was talking, I was like, sorry? She needed to, to enunciate I don't know what you more. just, I can't understand Ironic that she wasn't crystal clear in her <laughs> speech, one might say. Well, I, she's such a strange character because she's like, if you told me that this, there was a secret plot in this, that's a big twist that's going to come out at Christmas, that... She's not actually Crystal. She's her twin, evil twin sister that's killed Crystal and buried her under the the, the carpet. Mm. And she's pretending to be Crystal, but she's not really sure. So she's trying to be quiet and keep it on the down low. I believe you. Because she came in like a big brassy, like brazen. I know she ha- I know she's in a coma, but does it really make you mumble? <laughs> It's made her have a. It's made her have a change of heart on Ryan. Who the who would have thought that after she disappeared earlier in the summer that Crystal would come back, and seemingly for no good reason. Though presumably this uh, whole thing with uh, Daisy and Daniel is gonna, I imagine, come to a head around Christmas. I mean, if if we don't have Daisy and Ryan snogging under the mistletoe, I'll be shocked. Um, it's like that's what mistletoe was invented for. Yeah, what? For it's like all those millions of dramas. Thousands and thousands of years of evolution is just so they could have a cheesy little kiss scene on mm. Coronation Street between Ryan and Daisy. Yeah, so I think that that's probably what that's building to. But again, the momentum has gone mm. off of it. Seriously, it has. Anyway, that's what we're going to do there. Um, which, which story would you like to tackle, darling? Would you like to do the Lavender Brown story? Or would you prefer do to Lavender do... Lavender Brown. Oh, fantastic. That means I get to do my Sarge Bailey impression all the way no. through the next story. Hang on, I don't know if that's... I've been working on it all week, man. No, I don't think you can do that. I certainly can. No, I don't can. think you can. Right, no. Lavender... So, Joseph, poor little oik Joseph. He's been poisoned this week. not worth it. Go I'm on. telling you. Go on. What's not worth it? Just don't, okay? Oh, I might do it a little bit. Okay, right. <laughs> I denounce it. <laughs> this is what do. happens. You do something that you, I know people can give us crap for, and then I'm the one that has to say, don't, that's inappropriate. And then everyone calls me the sanctimonious harpy bitch wife. I that, don't think you get called that. I do. I've seen what people say about me online. I'm a horrible fishwife and I'm sanctimonious <laughs> and holier than thou. Because I say, let's maybe not do impressions of people that are not the same race as we are on a podcast. Um, well, you do your own fortunately, thing. there is some Helen Flanagan news to cover later <laughs> in the podcast. So uh, if I don't get to do Massage Bailey impression, you make your own I will decisions. get to crack out the old flanners again. I just again. don't know where we stand on it. <laughs> okay, okay, right. Gemma. I don't, I'm just saying. What's been going on at number five? I'm just five? saying. I know, you've said your piece, you've said it. I know, now I'm the bitch. No, okay. you're Lavender not. Lavender Brown, on Monday, Chesney goes to work and Joseph comes down and says to Gemma that he feels sick again. He doesn't want to go to school, he feels bad. And in the cafe later, Gemma says to Bernie that she sent him off to school but now she feels guilty about it because he seemed really peaky. Then she looks on her phone and she got a load of missed calls from Chesney and the school. So she, she's she been worried about Joseph's health for a couple of weeks now and has been taking him to the hospital. But it's been, I think it's been Chesney who's been saying, look, don't be ridiculous. There's nothing wrong with him. He's told her he doesn't believe her. So she's at this point saying, well, you know, I can't take him to hospital again. But yeah. now she's wishing she had. Because he's like proper sick. So they go back to the house and Jesney's um, brought Joseph home and there's something really wrong with him. He's gone up to bed and, and Gemma's just beating herself up saying, I'm the worst mum, I don't know. 
she feels really bad what can I, what she, what can she do she says she listens to Joseph that's wrong she doesn't listen to him that's wrong now she's like her confidence is completely shot she feels like she can never do anything right so Chesney tells Bernie and Paul that he doesn't think Gemma can cope what does he do that helps her with his own children he's a very busy man all the way through this week kebabs all all day i know he has a job but does she not have a job oh Gemma. yeah no she's not got a job at the moment well she's got four five kids to look after that's a job in itself (laughs) and then before then she had a job and she was supposed to be the primary caregiver you never see um chesney doing any I know you're supposed to think he does it when you're not watching, <laughs> right? But you just look in the corner of your eye. You'll say maybe Chesney washing up a cup in the could sink. Could do this character a bit of a favour and show him doing anything with children or housework. He only ever does it when Gemma's there already. I hate him. He's the worst. <laughs> I really have got. I've grown. Like it used to be a joke that I thought he was boring square. Now I just think he is. Like the poster child, massive, massive problematic husbands, <laughs> and and it makes it worse because Sam Aston has recently made his first appearance on ITV3's classic Coronation Street, and he was such a breath of fresh air, wasn't he? he was such a lovely little cheeky, the and and he's just gone. What's he's happened just to the you, worst. He's like, what's the what's? He's like the human embodiment of whatever that date is in January that's like the most depressing day of the year. Oh yeah, he's Blue Monday. He's Blue Monday in human form. (laughs) Right. So does Sam Aston get you know, I don't think it's his fault. It is what he's been told to do, but does he does he wish that he could just crack a smile? There's no redemption for this character. I feel like Corey's stitching him up. Mm. And I honestly cannot believe there's not more widespread like outrage about this character. Is this just normal? Do people think that, that he's this can't be normal, can it? Does, doesn't everybody realise that, that he's the worst? Maybe this is the, be- the just, beginnings of a very, very, very long-running story that he's got depression. Well, that's different, isn't it? But he has never said that he has that. No, I know. So he's just the, he's he he doesn't ever do any parenting or or housework, but he's really good at critiquing when Gemma does something that he he thinks is wrong. He's really good at that. Just the same way as I'd never written an episode of Coronation Street, but I'm really good at critiquing them all. <laughs> he, you know, he's got he has got a tough life. He's got five kids there. So does Gemma. Gemma. Gemma, as good as she is at doing the house stuff, she's not. Um, you know, she she's also a bit of a live resources. wire and a bit of a slob. And yeah, she's that, not a slob. She Gemma's not a slob. What? What has she done recently that makes you think that she's? I think slobbered about. All no, over she place. does not slob about. She hasn't got any time. <laughs> she's changed since those days when she was just a sort of jokey, slovenly character. She's now a mum who has got no time. It wasn't that long ago since she was scoffing wedding cakes at that's Daniel not, and Daisy's. That's not being a slob. Session. That's being greedy. Yeah, no, she, she's, she's always, she doesn't just lounge around on the sofa. What do you think anymore, a slob is? No, okay, okay, maybe I'll I, that I, later. she's got no time for, to be a slob anymore. Those days were far behind her. Imagine the luxury of slobbing about. She can only imagine. <laughs> so anyway, she's, she's got a confidence is shot, and Chesney's not helping because he's talking behind her back to everybody saying that she can't cope. And so Bernie and Paul talk to Gemma and tell her to listen to the doctors and nurses. And she, when Chesney comes home and finds Gemma, she's, med- she's trying to meditate. 
Liam's on a blank under a blanket on the sofa. Not Liam. I've written Liam, but oh yeah, you're I right. mean Joseph. Joseph, sorry. <laughs> jo- Joseph. <laughs> That's a surprise. Liam's there Gemma. going off Just, his Gemma, you brought the wrong kid home. Oh, yeah, I am you, a bad one. You brought the wrong miserable. I just kid home. I just saw his face and he looked so sad. I thought it must be your kid, Chesney. Sorry. (laughs) Anyway, so she's she's trying to chill out by meditating, but she's still worried and she's she's scared about Joseph. And on Wednesday, they they've planned. This was last week that they planned, or was this? No, it was the end of last week that they decided that. No, in this story, they decided that they're They're going to have have early Christmas Christmas because because Bernie's going to be sent down. Yes. So. They're getting ready for Christmas and they've bought a big pink tree. They're doing all the decorations, but she's still worried about Joseph, who's not feeling any better. And um, Bernie and Gemma talk about how great Paul is and they're talking about what's going to happen when his voice gives out and Bernie doesn't even want to talk about it. So she changes the subject so they can start talking about Joseph. And she says, Bernie says, um, if he's feeling a bit down and nauseous, I think you should give him some lavender infused tea so i've get i've brought a box around for you um and here and it's all the stuff's in this box and there's there's various other things in there that will help you relax so Gemma makes a cup of tea for joseph with the lavender that she got from her mum and joseph's smelling it going this is horrible and smells like old women he smells like phyllis pierce she makes Gemma makes him drink it she says it will make him feel better and then he comes down later on from, from upstairs where he says he's been sick all over the bed. This is why Gemma's a great mum. She says, oh, it's all right, love. Don't worry about it. It's not your fault. Most, you know, lots of parents would be mad. And even if they tried to hide it, they would still be mad. But she wasn't. She wasn't mad, even yeah, though yeah. that's more work for her now. She's got to do a massive wash. She's got to strip the bed. I think she's fran- I think she's a really... I think that being a mum... Um, comes really naturally to her and she is a caring and kind person she, she doesn't get everything right but she's she, she not, does she does do her best she's a she cares about people she cares about joseph yeah and so anyway he he lies down on the sofa and then he, he just kind of like goes. yeah he has a flop. bit of a dramatic flop doesn't he does he? a dramatic flop um chesney phones up the emergency services and he's poor joseph is like asking for a bucket uh, they have to t- rush him to hospital immediately. They wait for ages to get the test results. Bernie turns up. The doctor comes out and, and dramatically tells everybody again. So much drama in the storyline. Joseph's been poisoned. So they what say... What did you think when you first heard that? I thought that's dramatic, isn't it? Is that what you'd really say? Well, I guess so. Wouldn't you say he's bit, he's ingested a poison? Well, maybe they did say that. And no, I, just I think I think he did say he's been poisoned. I wonder. I did wonder whether, like, it sounds accusatory, doesn't it? Is this what it's been all along? Has has has, has Mason been at? But he doesn't but go to the same I... school, does he? Has somebody been slipping him a bit a bit of poison at school or something? Or but I don't. I think this is a bizarre turn of phrase for a doctor because there are many reasons why a child could have ingested some chemical or substance that is not good for them poisoning just seems like the lowest possible reason like the way he said he's been poisoned it just felt like it had he jumped from straight to an accusation or like 
a method that it had been delivered by because kids like kids get into all kinds of stuff eat things they shouldn't do i mean this he's too true. old joseph's too old to be really messing around with stuff like that but to say he was poisoned when actually he's just ingested a poisonous yeah, you're material right. it does kind of infer that nefariousness has makes been you afoot. think that this doctor immediately had an idea about what he thought happened before they'd even asked mm. But maybe not, maybe that not. is just what they would say, I don't know. I'm really interested, if you work in a hospital, is this what you would say? This child's been poisoned? What are you, what do you, what, sorry Agatha Christie, what are we talking about? <laughs> anyway, they say, I don't know, he hasn't eaten anything, I don't, I didn't know he'd, um, he'd take, eaten anything he shouldn't have done. And so the doctor's like, has he ingested cleaning products? Is he, eat facial cleansers? And then Gemma remembers that she gave him a lavender drink and she immediately suggests that. So Bernie offers to go home to bring the product into the hospital so that they can see what it might have been that that was in this. Hmm. I mean, can you be allergic to lavender? This is what I was thinking. Um, Chesney starts complaining and that he didn't believe Joseph was Pauline. Um, Bernie comes back and she brings out this packet and Gemma says, what do you mean? This is not the lavender tea. I didn't give him this. I gave him the lavender drops. I gave him the oil that you told me. And Bernie's like, no, no. <laughs> Gemma, no. It was the tea bags that I suggested, not the essential oil. And Gemma's distraught because she's been gunking oil. And as soon as as soon as Bernie said, put the lavender put lavender in his tea. I was like, I hope they're not talking about essential oils because that's gross. Did you? I did it's because right coming. No, because I I know that I've seen enough crazy Facebook posts like you know how people collect them on Reddit and stuff like mm. crazy weird parenting things and lots of mums and it's sorry it does seem to be mums get super in into oils essential oils and seem to think that you can cure everything by putting oils on on kids like homeopathic scented oils mm. it doesn't and i can just it imagine it hasn't worked here has it hmm? it hasn't worked here it made it worse yeah so the but the thing is though he's been sick he has been ill for a long time yeah it wasn't this so it just that's that was just... kind of um brushed over and i think they're going to come back to it they're going to bring but this up it, it in felt like yeah surely because it feels like, well, that solved that mystery then. It was Gemma that did it. But no, he has been actually sick for weeks now. So there's something else that's wrong with yeah. him. Some underlying. Yeah, Although nothing was picked up on the scans, was there? Nothing at the... Yeah, but you've got the, to test for things. I suppose so. And, and I suppose he has been tested on his other hospital visits. Because we don't know what's but... wrong with this kid still. No. And I'm sure that it wasn't just this oil. Did you, didn't you say that you thought maybe he's been making himself sick for, for some reason? This is what I thought. Mm. I still think that. I don't know if that's the case. It would be interesting if it was, um, but it could be something else. I just don't want another sick. I think to, the reason why I'm latching on to he's making himself sick was because of my own personal experience, what I've spoken about on the podcast, um, and also from um, the perspective of somebody who's already watched a child die on Coronation Street. I don't want to see another medical sad. We we had. He's gonna be all we right. We had even we even had hope have cancer at Christmas. Like, remember, do we want? Do we want another sick child story? 
when we've already got you know I know it's not the same but Paul's got MND same family another illness I do think that they're laying on a little bit too thick I, I don't know whether this was the wisest decision to have this story running concurrently with Paul's it's like Bernie said, oh, what else could go wrong? My grandson's sick, my son's dying. And I'm see, like, yeah, that is a bit too much, isn't it? Yeah, but you see what I'm saying about this being a trigger. If Joseph is making himself sick, um, or that would make sense because it's a trigger. The fact that his family's going through this really bad upheaval. Mm. I wonder whether it could be a case of, um, has he seen that his uncle Paul's sick? and But... But he's getting a lot of attention because of it now. And maybe Joseph's feeling a little bit left out. You know, he's got four other kids in the house. Well, that's part of that would and, be part and, of and maybe it. he's just doing it to get the attention that he's been seeing that Paul has attention. been getting. It wouldn't just be that reason, but no, that but would it be could be, part it could of the be. thought process. Maybe. He's just a child. Yeah. It's not a... It, it, it's... You can't... You can't ascribe adult intentions on a child can you no i can't remember how old he's supposed to be now i think he's about the same age as the children that i teach and um well i'm just gonna have to make sure i tell them not to don't drink lavender don't drinks. drink lavender drinks now yeah okay so um she says yeah Gemma's really distraught about this and it turns out that now they've got this oil he, he'll be fine Gemma's just really apologetic and chesney was an ass wasn't he She's like going, oh, it was my fault, Chesney, I'm so sorry. And Chesney's like, look, I don't want to talk to you about this. I'm just... Yeah, he was, wasn't he? He was fuming. He because... said, this has been the most terrifying day of my life. I'm... You're, okay, lots of bad things have happened to you, Chesney. You've had this 20 your years worth, your yeah. Your kid threw up and went to hospital. Mm. Yes, that's terrible, but look, I've seen you go through worse, my friend. <laughs> so um, he's like, I, I don't want to talk to you about this. This is terrible. Yeah, I'm in going his out eyes, fresh, his fresh wife air. has nearly killed his son. And now I don't think there was any brought up of he's not my, he's not your son, Gemma, he's mine. That kind of thing was there, but no, no, but, but there may have been a bit of an implication this was, there. This is this is what we always complained about Fizz and Tyrone doing, and and at least Gemma and Ch- and Chesney don't do this. No, and and Gemma said in today's episode, like I love that boy. He, she, I don't even think she said like I love him. I don't as think if he she were ever really thinks of him as not being her son now. No, no, I, I agree. That's I, why I think she's a brilliant mum. Yeah, and she's totally taken on board this. Nobody this kid. sat and nobody said at any point. It was it. It makes sense that you made that mistake. Mm. I think maybe as well the thing with Joseph is wasn't Chesney and Gemma were they an item when Joseph came back from Portugal and up until that point he'd not been really a part of Chesney's life at all. So it's almost been like as long as Chesney has known Joseph, really, that's as long as Gemma has known him. So that probably ties into the fact that they both feel that's, shared responsibility. That's a good point. For, for the, it, it is if it's true that Gemma and Chesney were together when when the uh, when Joseph came into the show. I'm gonna say not maybe. Sure. Not sure. But we'll yeah, just make not necessarily. Up. So she's trying to say, oh, I'm sorry, um, Joseph, but I didn't do it on purpose. Um, but he's been sick for ages. Can't you see? And Chesney just doesn't look like he believes her, and he, he goes off. There is definitely a look of "I don't believe you." He, he tries to backpedal later in the episode, doesn't he? he by tries saying, to "Oh, I, I always never, believe in you, Gemma. I would never accuse you." Backstabbing of, asshole. But he he was really he giving a look a of look. how could you do this to in my her son? worst moment when she was feeling the lowest of the low, and she does look after them all in that house and okay it was a silly mistake 
but it was an understandable mistake for somebody that doesn't know much about lavender i i find it weird that she doesn't know the difference between essential oils and tea bags <laughs> but no i mean from by that i mean that she's she'd lived around bernie her whole life you think she would have seen her farting about with oils before now but okay i'm it's a totally innocent mistake I don't know how much oil she put in there either because it seems like probably was quite a lot. <laughs> the way that I like to judge these things sometimes. Okay. Is it the sort of thing that I might have accidentally done? What but do you reckon? I think possibly. Yeah. I think possibly I might have done, in which case it's a completely forgivable it's totally mistake. totally understandable, isn't it? It could happen to anybody. It was a mistake in the kitchen. You know, I'm no Gordon Ramsay, I'll admit that. So um, yeah, I, I think I think that it could it could happen to the best of us. I just think if you open a box, your mum says give him a lavender drink, you, and you the first thing you see is a bottle of lavender. You don't go looking for more lavender, do you? No. It's not like she picked up the tea bags. This is lavender, and went that's rubbish. I'm not gonna make tea out of tea bags, am I? What am I a mug? Joke, <laughs> uh, get it? I I'm pretty sure I can't think of when, but I think I've probably you've probably told me to find something like in the fridge or in the cupboard in the past, and I've got completely the wrong thing. And you were like, "What the hell have you got this one out for?" Granted, it didn't end in a child going to hospital, but that's because we don't have one. It, that's probably the only reason. Not anymore. <laughs> <laughs> Right, so after the break, they're sitting in the waiting room. Chesney says, look, Gemma, I know you didn't do it on purpose. I just thought I'd leave you in tension for several minutes to make you feel really bad. (laughs) Gemma doesn't believe him because what proof has she got other than he's just decided to tell her now? All of the evidence up until this point, him giving in her dirty looks, him not really believing her, him telling her to shut up because he doesn't want to hear it. Him turning his back to her and facing the camera for a dramatic soap mag shot anyway so so he she doesn't believe him things get a bit tense and then the nurse comes and says you can come and sit with joseph so they get told joseph's going to be kept in overnight and the doctor's like can you tell me a bit more about this poisoning how did how did this happen you're really lucky that he's okay and chesney then decides to start defending Gemma and saying yeah, when the two of them aren't alone when they've got an audience like, i better make myself look like a good husband <laughs> i better make, i better pretend i didn't suspect her otherwise i might have questions to answer yeah. as to why I'm letting this imbecile look after my children if she can't tell the difference between poison and tea. <laughs> so anyway, he starts changing his tune, saying, oh, Gemma was really worried about it and we would never hurt her, him. It's like, look at him. He's not even an annoying kid. There's so many annoying kids on the show, you should see. This kid's actually quite... Uh, he doesn't say anything. He's hardly got any lines. He's yeah. great. I love him. <laughs> uh. So they... Um, Chesney tells Gemma that he trusts her completely and he always has. Everything will be okay. Ch- Joseph will be home tomorrow. Late, We're going to have Christmas. And then outside the room, the doctor's like looking through the window, pointing at Gemma, like doing the, the cutthroat gesture to this <laughs> social worker, like and kind of like pretending to strangle himself. And she's like writing everything down, shaking her head. It wasn't the social worker. Who was it? It was, um, I, I wrote social worker, but she's from the child, child protection services, isn't she? Is that not a branch of social services? I don't know. Okay, we're going to get possibly. hung up, aren't we? Um, quite possibly. Yeah, I, I recognise that actress, and uh, I can't remember what... I think she'd been in Coronation Street before as a very, very oh, minor yeah, you character. Said, yeah, but, she was, um, wasn't she something... She was a judge or something? Maybe, maybe. But yeah, she's. I've seen her in things. Oh, yeah. I don't have any interesting facts about nice, that, but nice. I like to point out when I recognise actors, she was in the which queue. is not very often. She was in the queue for Jolie Esmond signature. <laughs> Autograph, sorry. On Friday... 
Gemma decides to cancel Christmas because of Joseph. And Chesney says, no way. And Joseph... Joseph says no way too. Joseph's no, there in the hospital. But yeah. All he, well, he does, he's like, oh, I wouldn't want to miss out on double presents. Greedy pig. Greedy pig. <laughs> Joseph. It's not about the presents. It's not about the presents. It's, it's about, about the hilarious cracker jokes. It's about being with your friends and family and, and like iconic characters like Dev getting screen time with Dev. That's what Christmas is about. Speaking of toys and presents and things, did you see that Alad was going around with a fake saw on the carpet? Those poor little quads had to run around looking excited by presents probably for hours on end the day that this episode was filmed. How did you think and they yeah, did it? Alad had like a plastic hacksaw. <laughs> Like, I think that's how it starts. If he turns into the next, well, you know, serial 20 killer. years time, he's the, yeah, he's a street serial killer. We know just oh, December would... 2023, that's where it all started to go wrong for him. Okay, uh, is this insensitive? What? He becomes a serial killer and like his iconic line was, I can't hear them screaming. <laughs> oh my God. And then he just saws their arms off. <laughs> He takes his hearing aid off. And you like, can scream as much as you like. <laughs> I will oh never God. know. Okay, sorry. I'm sorry. And you tell me off. I know, I know. Well, right, you can do whatever voice. accents you want. Okay. Oh, maybe I will. Oh, God. I'm going to leave the room. <laughs> okay. Meanwhile, um, Paul and Billy are enjoying a, a, a pre-Christmas morning. Paul's not quite got the proper Christmas spirit yet. And Billy tries to change it by giving him a Christmas jumper. You're wearing your first Christmas jumper of the uh, year. Yeah, today. first of December, Christmas jumpers come out in this household. I've got I've got my six or so that I like to rotate oh, around. Oh, the six. Uh, this, uh, don't get me started on the six. On this, there's definitely seems to be a bit more of a um, excitement in the Eastenders hype running up to this Christmas than there is in Coronation Street. But you know, there's still time for Corrie to pull out. Uh, anyway. hey, excuse me, if we're lucky on Christmas Day. We might get a montage where Bernie looks sad in prison and Joseph hawks up into a bowl on the sofa. <laughs> I know, and, and Chairman goes, "See, don't forget the don't forget the the classic Christmas scene to come where I'm going to say the Baileys find out that Ed's got a gambling addiction and he gets chucked out on the street on and he Christmas has to sit in a Wendy house. <laughs> yeah, okay, he probably will, won't and he? And probably Nina is looking through the window as as Isla and ne- and um, Asher is snogging their faces and Dev's just watching them like a perv because his girlfriend's in prison. Yeah. And poor little Liam's being bombarded with text messages from Mason. Merry Christmas, Merry... rat boy. <laughs> yeah, a little rat with a hat. We've written a story, <laughs> a little rat with a Christmas hat. Yeah, we, do, we have had a preview, a special preview, press yeah, preview of the Christmas Day episode of Coronationship. Sorry, That's we're revealing all it. the spoilers here. <laughs> oh, and don't forget Daniel finding out that um, Daniel walking and in Ryan on da- yeah. are snogging under the mistletoe. Yeah, And, and she goes, Daniel... I can explain. <laughs> um, anyway, but yeah, and he's then someone's going to get a... murdered by somebody in a colourful dress. But which colour? I don't know. Anyway, yeah, I've got my Christmas jumpers on. I like to parade around in school about them. None of the children pointed out I had a lovely Christmas jumper on today, so I made sure I mentioned it to them and said, "Isn't this a lovely jumper, children?" You're that, awful. Yes, Mr. Lawson, you're it's so a po- cool. It's a poke. It's a Pokemon. It's like a Pokemon giant fluffy Pokeball, not fluffy, knitted Pokeball jumper on. I like to buy you Christmas. Try to get down with the kids, honestly. Look, children, it's your, it's your, it's your favourite thing that's been around. My, my wife used to watch this when she was a child. I don't know where the Pokemon's. I don't think there's some children are still into Pokemon. It's still the biggest franchise in the world. It's the biggest media franchise, not Coronation Street or Doctor Who. Both Pokemon's got it. Not even them combined. I'm afraid. Anyway. Where were we? How did we start talking about that? Right. So Christmas jumper. Oh yeah, Billy's got a Jesus jumper, hasn't he? 
A bit, um, the Vicar of Dibley had um, on her Christmas episode a, a, a Jesus uh, top that said it's my birthday. I want one that says it's so my I'm birthday. Say they rip that off. And then, and then David would go, "Oh, it's my birthday too." David, David has definitely one hundred percent got a T-shirt. David Platt has got a T-shirt with Jesus on, saying it's my birthday. Brilliant. Maybe that's what I'm thinking of, not the Vicar of Dibley. So easy to get those two <laughs> I know. confused. I know. I often think of Dawn French and go, "What was she in? Co- Who's she playing Corrie? Oh, remember yeah, when she David. pushed David? Gail down the stairs? It wasn't funny at all. It actually was quite funny. Um, um, okay. So the child protective lady comes to see Chesney and Joseph and asks them what's going on. And this is when she brings up the fact that we'd all forgotten probably I, I don't I know who remembered this. this um and this was i thought this is great was this was planted for this reason good job cory yes bertie took pills he shouldn't have when so Gemma was babysitting to earn money when she got laid off she was looking after glory and also bertie and she was very stressed out she went to the cafe to have a drink bernie said she'd look after the kids Beth sees her in the cafe, gets mad because she should be looking after Bertie, who's her nephew. So Gemma comes back to the to the flat, to the house, sorry, um, and she passes out with the exhaustion on the sofa. And while she's passed out, Bertie opens her bag, goes through it, picks out the blister pack of antidepressants and takes some. Nice and then recap. You don't you, you, you remember you. all this? Or did you do a little bit of reading? Did you do a bit of prep? You're not allowed to research this show, <laughs> I thought. Um, and then I can't remember who finds her. I think it might have I been Daniel. I think it was Daniel. Daniel and Daisy come and, back. And, uh, yeah. they, you know, there's a kid there with, like, See, lots of people have been saying, saying for months that that story had been forgotten. And in a way it had, because... There was an investigation. They, they, they were launching for... an investigation for... Because Gem- for, for, you're only allowed to childmind X number of children at once. And she was doing X plus Y, fine? wasn't she? I can't she? remember. No, exactly. I don't think anything came from it. Anyway... Corey's like, we didn't forget I may about be that. wrong. I may be wrong. We, we have had before people telling us who work on the Stupid. show that they listen to us moaning about something and they say, no, you forgot such and such. You idiots. But anyway, it's nice that it was brought up and it did seem to be there for I a rep- reason. I'm here to represent the common man on this show. I'm not supposed to know anything. You're not a man, but you are quite common. I'm I'm the common man. <laughs> uh, well, I, want a ba- I don't want to babysit my own children. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, slander. Right, so she's she's thinking this is this neglect? Is this woman incapable of looking after children or is there something more sinister going on? Meanwhile, everyone's having fun. Do you know why? Chesney's not there. Chesney's not there. <laughs> Who was it? It was Paul, Billy. Oh Dev, wasn't Dev? Dev was there brilliant. as a Christmas. You know, elf. it wasn't the best of Coronation Street weeks, but it can always rely on Dev, Devin it up. Just he, to he um, had, add a bit of jollity. He had rosy cheeks and he had like a, a, a Father Christmas pair of, of glasses on and he was just being great. I loved it. Making so, making elf puns on the in the shop and then reading out Christmas cracker jokes. I appreciated them and I hadn't even heard of some of them. Although the, they kind of the ones that Paul was using to read record his laugh to weren't as good. I like the um. What do you call? What do you call the hippie's wife? Mrs. Hippie. I hadn't heard that. Mrs. Mrs. Hippie. Hippie. Oh, yeah, it's the way you tell him. Um, <laughs> what about the nanny of business? What are the witch and the lion doing in the wardrobe? Nanny of business. <laughs> Brilliant. That gave me a good old giggle. And then Paul starts recording his voice for his um, memory laugh. book. And, and, and the, the jokes weren't so good. The tinselitis. You've heard that one. We all heard that one many times before. But Paul um, was acting like he hadn't. Poor chap. Have you got your Twitter slogan for this week? No. Well, it should obviously be if you want to pre-record your laughter, listen to this episode. Oh, good point, yeah. Thanks. Probably insensitive. Anyway, so who we got? Dev, Bernie, Gemma, 
Paul and Billy Blah. and the quads. The They're all having a great time. Going around with various plastic weaponry. <laughs> just attacking each other. Brilliant. The Children love that kind of thing. <laughs> this, I mean, the, the child protection woman came in. She probably had to do a double take when she <laughs> looked is, at Alid. Why is this child running around with a hacksaw? <laughs> Oh, when I was little, I wanted a carpentry set and I never got it. You wanted a carpentry I did. That's, did you not? Did you want a little cooking set as well? No, I knew I knew how to cook. <laughs> you, could, you just use a real kitchen. I you? remember really vividly, there was definitely a, a mini carpentry set that had like real, I was going to say weapons. No, <laughs> tools. Tools. And that you could saw it and hammer things. And I wanted Why it. Why Because I wanted to do carpentry. <laughs> Now this is why I don't know because they didn't get it for me. They did get me a chemistry set. Back in the eighties, girls couldn't have those presents. Yes, these they could. Days. No, no, no. I was. I'm going to say it? this because it wasn't that they didn't get it for me because I was a girl because they got me a chemistry set and everyone knows girls can't do science. Did you have an electric set? Yes, I did. I did as well. I got one for Christmas one time and um, we made a little burger alarm from a bedroom yes. door and that's about it. And everything I love else seemed too that complicated. stuff. Oh, it was fantastic. Obviously the... Oh, rest- let's go to... Oh, we kept Toys R Us is closed. Yeah. Um, obviously the Christmas present that all children wanted and I sadly never got was My a... My little pony. No. Oh. Mr. Frosty. I had a Mr. Frosty. Did you? Yeah. Oh my God. Well, Michael, you oh. are not missing out. You're not missing out. Is it not as good as it makes a look in the advert? You know how, like, on the advert, there's, a, there's like, a waif of a child with a Mr. Frosty and she's just merrily grating ice cubes? <laughs> yeah, it's so much fun. Would it surprise you to know that that's virtually impossible for a child to actually do? <laughs> <laughs> like, remember this really vivid uh, image of my granddad, like, sweating over this stupid plastic snowman trying to grate an ice cube to pour syrup on the top for his stupid grandchild. Oh, God. Well, I hope I don't end up in the same situation as Paul and then my dad comes to me and says, you know what, Michael? This is my dad. I'm northern now. I live in Derby. (laughs) You always wanted a Mr. Frosty when you were a boy and now this is going to be your last Christmas. (laughs) I bought you. I got a special present for you. I'm like, eh, Mr. Frosty at last. And then and it I'll doesn't be like, I'm actually not doing work. It. I'm not doing it. You can do it. Okay. I do have the strength of a, of a five-year-old child. You have funny hands, don't you? You wouldn't better do it. I do. I do have funny wrist problems. Right, okay. We're getting really off topic now. It doesn't matter. Everybody write in, what was your dream present as a child yeah, that you never what got? did you never get? <sighs> I also wanted one of those little dispensers that did, you know, the tiny little dairy milk slabs. Oh, you yeah. had to have a little I red... I had one of those as well. You had all of the presents that I wanted. I really did. <laughs> you should have come around my house. Great <laughs> if only I knew you back then. Yes, the ones... It was like it, like in a little mini shop and it, they kind of slid down. It's yeah. red. It was like plastic and, and the tiny little um, dairy milk chocolate. Well, I'll tell you what, if I'd and had And the that, irony is I don't even like dairy milk. And then you don't do it. If I'd have had it back then, my cholesterol would have got even higher Fruity. by this point, wouldn't it? So. Oh, God. Being a kid at Christmas is... And surpassed. These days, I like just really, really struggle to be able to tell anyone anything that I want for Christmas. And I remember when I was little, and I we used to Massive say, what, "What, what does Dad want for Christmas?" Oh, nothing. I don't mind. I'm fine. I'm like, Dad, you're so boring. And there I was circling everything in the Argos catalogue. Yeah, Argos catalogue was but, just. But a now dream. I'm like, I, I, I don't really. I, I can't ever come up with any ideas. I know, it's really annoying. Yeah, sorry. Sorry, everybody, for that sidetrack. But I'm hopefully. 
you know what to buy us for Christmas now. Mr. Frosty. <laughs> and a mini carpentry set. <laughs> mini carpentry set and a tiny dairy milk dispenser. <laughs> but I want a man size. I want I want something no, that when you, you turn cannot. the handle, a big kilogram bar plops out the bottom. No, you'll die. You will die. Oh, that's you're, so nice. Your, your blood will be replaced with molten chocolate. Oh, it's okay. Bad, isn't it? It's bad. Okay. So everyone's <laughs> having fun. Yeah. Um, Paul's getting his robo dog. Does that happen Paul, yet? No, hang on. Yeah, so he always wanted this when he was a child and Bernie could never get it for him and um, she gives her... He gives him the present and he's like... Oh, it's a it's a techno-robot puppy. <laughs> a techno-robot. Do you remember those white... They used to be white ones with that had the yeah. flappy ears. Kind of like one of those. This felt like a bit of an off-brand... Like, it didn't even have a box. I think this fell off the back of the lorry and Bernie's like... No, this a, makes sense. Stick a bow on the top of it and there no, we because go. It was the a, best mum ever. No, it's a toy from his childhood, so no, they don't make it anymore. So she probably did buy it second-hand. Got it down from um, Gregory tell Pope. Tell you she didn't get it off of. Banger. Big guy. Backstabbing arsehole. <laughs> right, okay. It did feel like it was a bit of a rubbish present, I'm going to say. But it was sweet. I was expecting it. I was thinking, for some reason, I had in my head that it was going to be Buzz Lightyear she was pulling out of there, but I think Paul's... He's a bit old. Yeah, but how old is he? He's, he's... Oh, God, I can't remember. I looked it up. He's not name. our age, is he? He's, he's... Yeah, he's like mid-twenties. No, he's not. Mid-thirties. Yeah. Early thirties. Early thirties, I'm going to say, for Paul. Um, yeah. He ages. might have been, bu- he might have been Buzz, Buzz Lightyear, but anyway, it was, it, uh, yeah. It was what a, do younger millennials want for Christmas? I don't know. Right, house. Tell us if you are. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> At least we're on the property market. I mean, the property <laughs> what ladder. What are you talking the about? The ladder. We're on a ladder. Yeah. Somebody's greased it. Hmm. Anyway, so he's, they're having Christmas. That was a sweet, Cracker sweet, jokes, yeah. and Paul's laugh, laughing in his, Joke, joke, fun. And then Chesney comes in and goes, it's not Christmas anymore. I was, I went into this episode thinking, oh, it's been a bit of a downer this week, but they're going to have fake Christmas. And up until this point, pretty much every time in the Paul's dying storyline, when they've tried to do something funny or heartwarming or lovely, it's been a real feel-good episode. So I was like, this, this, this could still be good. And it, and it was. And then Chesney came home from the hospital. He just poured a bucket of cold water over all of their festivities. Like, he, it's like he can't help it. He's the ghost of Christmas is yet to come. Yeah. When everyone's sad because Paul's dead. Yeah, it, yeah, totally. And it's not his fault. He did have to bring... Did he have to bring the woman home? Did he I think she came. I think right he just now? followed her home. Didn't she, he followed her or she followed him? She's going there and he followed her. Mm. Anyway. You know, do you know in um, Who Framed Roger Rabbit when Jessica Rabbit says, I'm not bad, I was just drawn this way? Yes. Chelsea's like, I'm not miserable. They just write these lines and there's no <laughs> other way to say them. Catchy. Yeah, it's not as good of a quote. Right, so this, this lady says, uh, I need to talk to you. Tell you what, if Jessica Rabbit was a character in Coronation Street, sorry, Sally Ann Matthews, but um, Flame and Nora Award. <laughs> <laughs> I tell you... <sighs> I was trying to think of what dopey husband she could end up with that's exactly like Roger Rabbit, but Tim and Sally kind of... <laughs> it probably would be Chesney, wouldn't it? No, because no, at Ches- least Roger Rabbit was entertaining and fun. He played Patty Cake. I'm going to oh, no, say... no, she played Patty Cake. I'm going to say... Yes, yeah, she did with... Uh, with um, Dirty Mare. What's his name? I can't remember. It's Maroon. not important. It's We're really getting off topic a lot. Are you drunk? Um, I think that maybe Michael Bailey is the Roger Rabbit of Coronation Street. Why? Well, because he's he's... Comical, isn't he? Who's the funniest man on Corrie? Oh, do you think she'd go? Do you think Roger Rabbit and Kirk? 
No. Not Roger Rabbit and Kirk. Jessica Rabbit and Kirk. No. No? No. Okay. I can't think of anyone who is in your face. There's not really any funny men, are there? There's some that think they are. Dev. Dev's Roger Rabbit, except he's... Tell you, Dev and Jessica Rabbit, he would be... He uh, would... All his Christmases come at once, wouldn't they? (laughs) (laughs) Right. I could just imagine Dev a-woogering her as she performs at the uh, Toon Club, wherever it was. Anyway. And and Rita's Betty Boop. Yes. No, I think that Betty Boot would be young Betty Driver when she was doing her 1920s. (laughs) That's what they sounded like back 100 years ago when they used to sing in the musical. This is the most off topic we think we've ever been on a podcast. And they wonder why there were two world wars. Really, really sorry. We're not just trying to fill time. This is just natural. There's loads to talk about. So this lady comes in and she says, I need to speak to Gemma and Joseph separately. And they, so they go to Billy's flat so they can have a conversation there. And the lady says to Gemma, can you talk to me about all the times you've taken Joseph to the hospital? Were you trying to prove to this doctor that you, that Joseph was really ill by, by giving him this lavender to make him sick? Were you worried that nobody was taking you seriously? So you gave him this to force them to pay attention to you and she's like no that's ridiculous who said that and the lady says no i've got to ask this nobody's saying it i'm asking you because joseph's priority safety is my priority and Gemma's like it's mine too back at number five bernie's getting maudlin because this day's not going very well i don't think she's watched uh christmas on eastenders because this is just what it's normally like I just, over there. I, I, re- I just I wanted this to be a happy Christmas. Yeah, but this I didn't is... need this to happen. And I get the juxtaposition. I, I, I get it. I get that's how drama works. But I, I really could have done with this week's or tonight's I'm episode say, just being full on lovely. There was, there's been enough, there's been enough storylines with, with Paul where they've done a really good job of the, you know, the joy and the sadness. Um, I don't know why this would have been any different. Okay, okay. So, um, so she says, I need, yeah, I need to ask you. And then, um, oh no, sorry. Bernie's saying that she's sad. This day can get any worse. I'm going to prison tomorrow. Oh, they had that nice little bit where um, they were trying to make her laugh, weren't they? They were trying to make uh, her smile. Oh, and the only way she'd smile is if Dev gave her a smackeroonie. Well, no, but Paul kind of makes Paul was trying to make her laugh, bit, but then but... Dev gave her a, a smacker. I thought yeah. that was really sweet. That was a sweet little smile. Um, Oh, I do love her. She's great, and she's so great. That 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 was that was my best bit of the week for her. This what week, what a bunch of great scene. performers in that scene too. I know, I know. So we don't get to see Joseph being interviewed. We assume he's just ratting her out. <laughs> <laughs> but the lady tells Gemma and Chesney that you cannot be in the house with these children. I need to investigate this, and any time you spend with them, you've got to be supervised. And if you don't go along with it, I'll just take the kids away. And so Gemma and Chesney have to tell Joseph. Chesney thinks this is crazy. Joseph's saying, I've got, is this my fault? Do I have to go into care? And Chesney's like, look, even if you do go into care, sometimes you end up with a dog and a new family. And they might be he better than me. Ches- well, he care. ended up in, he went to care and then he came back out, didn't he? He got a dog and a new family. I think he always, I don't remember the history of no, the dog. No, I don't remember. Didn't, what did you do with Maya? came first? Uh, no, you're thinking of Monica. Mm get confused oh no maybe it was Maya yeah I think it was I think you're right I think Maya was the good memory I've seen this programme before so um, 
they, they say, don't worry about it, it's not your fault. And they and then Gemma gives him a hug. She's like, oh, I think I'm allowed to hug him. And they're like, oh, she gives him a, a really lovely hug. So they all go back to number five and, and tell the rest of the family this. Bernie and Dev can't believe this. Bernie gets really cross. She's like swinging. She wants to punch this social worker lady, who, who whatever her name is. And so she's like, I'm going to go and make tea while you guys talk. And Chesney and Gemma are saying, look, do not make a fuss about this. We just have to let this investigation happen so we can get back to normal. And then Billy's like, can I live? You can live with us. And Gemma's already said that she's going to live there. So that was handy. Um, it's going to take a couple of weeks. So are we going to get a Christmas reunion? I think so. I've, I've got a feeling that going to say Christmas Day, but it could be Christmas Eve. Gemma is finally given permission to go back around the house again and they can have a not quite as bad a Christmas as they were expecting to have. What do you think is going to happen to Bernie? It feels like being sent down is fairly inevitable. I think and she's... if she's not, then what was the point of all of this? I think she's going to get like a couple of months. Mm. I mean, Jane Hazelgrove, they've been working her hard this, this past six months, haven't they? So well, she deserves a rest, bless her. I think if she goes to prison, I'm not necessarily expecting a prison story. I think it's going to yeah. be one of those close the cell door on her and that's what the last we see of her for a little bit. Yeah. Or maybe a few phone calls, I don't know. Maybe she gets put in prison with old, um, what's her face, um, Lucy, Bridget, whichever one it oh, is. Oh, yeah. That could do, could do. Because that story is still on ice. I, I don't want to mention it just Stu. in case it summons it back again. But um, could be, could be. Yeah, I think that she... It would feel a bit of a... Um, a bit of a letdown, a bit of a build-up to nothing if she is let off. She's not going to get a let of a slap off. On they the told her she's going to go to prison. Did they? I can't remember what the last thing we were told I'm fairly is. sure. Anyway. But she's not But she's not going to get like a suspended sentence or, or anything like that. No, I think she's going to prison. Okay, okay. So, Gemma's miserable at on Billy's sofa later, and um, well, Paul, she's just miserable. Yeah, Paul says, do you want to come and bunk up with me like we used to when we were no. kids? And she's like, no, you're alright. It's all really right. sad here. I'm going to go in Summer's room, because she's not here at the moment. Yeah, where was, why wasn't Summer invited? <laughs> yeah, they didn't invite Summer to Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> They're like, right, Chesney and, Chesney and Joseph, we can keep them at, at the hospital and not tell Summer. We can actually have a good day. <laughs> so Christmas is actually a winter festival and not a summer festival. That's Sorry, why the winter family are here and, yeah. and not you, we'll Summer. We'll call you when we want to <laughs> dance around a maypole. See you later. Uh, sorry, Summer, this is, a, this is a festival for people who believe in things at Christmas. <laughs> maybe the Christian belief of, or maybe just crystals, but anything and, and, and not horrible heathens like you. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know where someone was supposed to Do you think if she marries Joseph or one of the quads, she'll be Summer Winter Brown? Um, I don't think that's going to happen though, is she? Well, she, she might be into it. No. Age gap's fine. It would be a, a thing if... I don't think there's another winter in the wings anywhere, but if there was and they brought them in, it does feel like a bit of a curry thing to do to have summer become summer winter. Summer winter. Yeah. Great. Anyway, I don't think we got anything. Okay, so I've seen Just... criticism online on Twitter saying that this is terrible because the social worker or the child protective services would never do this. Um I found it a quite sympathetic portrayal of this woman. I did as well. She wasn't. She wasn't she didn't doing come it in, like, to. A nasty lady she to wasn't separate like the, the family up. No, no, she didn't. She seemed very sympathetic. She, she, she had a job to do. As she had some questions. What's she ask, supposed to do? To leave. Ask, I mean. Leave the kids with a woman that she suspects is poisoning them. Mm. Yeah. No. 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 It was. She did the right thing. But I, I don't know if this would have happened exactly the way it did on screen in real life. 
I, c- I can't believe it would have happened the exact same way. But you have to sometimes cr- truncate things for mm. for drama. I still stand by the fact that I don't think that this Paul's storyline and Bernie going to prison needed this extra layer of misery. And you know, I I I think I I I do rate Gemma as a character, um, but I know that the Winter Brown family, well, the Gemma Chesney and and that relationship isn't the most popular. And it's kind of harks back to a couple of years ago when it was all Gemma and Chesney all the time. You remember every, mm. when, when Ian McLeod first started, he was like, this is the character, this is the family that I'm going to shove to the forefront of the show if you like it or not. And people really didn't like it. So having a, a big week centre around them is never really going to go down well, is it? It kind of... Mm, but... It, it was okay. There's still the mystery. This has not been solved. And maybe this is how Gemma gets let off in the end of why Joseph is still sick. I think Joseph is going to be revealed to have either done it to himself or he's got something else that's easily fixable. Please, God. Mm. And then they say, oh, gosh, it must have been a lot of mistake. Go back to your family. Yeah, because the reason that Gemma is being separated from Joseph right now is because they think that she's trying to hurt him, that she's trying to poison him. And as soon as it gets revealed what the actual cause of his upset stomach is, they'll say, sorry, you can go back to him for Christmas now if you like. Oh, what's that? It's mid-January. Oh, well. It's not totally implausible either that you would investigate this because this is the second time that she's been involved in a child taking some substance which has sent them to hospital in a year. Yeah. That's that's totally responsible for them to say, hang on, what's what's actually going on here? Really, if if we lived in a, in a nice country, because, you know, this, I know this we isn't real. We do live in a nice country. We do, we do not. If we lived in a nice country, they would say, oh, goodness me. You've got five children, you're unemployed, but you still can't cope because there's too much work here for one person. Your husband's stupid. Sorry about that. Um, we'll give you help. We'll we'll get you childcare. We'll get you somebody to I deal with fresh. We'll give you some money. We'll we'll help you in some way. She's she can't cope. It's not I'm not surprised she can't deal with this. She's not had she's not had any rest, has she? If we lived in a nice country, they wouldn't come and go, oh, we'll take your kids off you and unless you leave the house and we investigate you. They'd say, God, no wonder you're having troubles. I do wonder how accurate a portrayal of having quads is because not... that must be very, very difficult. And, and yes, it's... not four times as difficult, immensely more so difficult. Mm. Than you can ever possibly And they're imagine. a couple of years old now. And, w- and when they were born, lots of people said, this is a this is a bold move from Ian McLeod. Giving Je- Gemma Cods, do you know what you're setting yourself up for? And I don't know. I, I, I think well, there was a lot of people thinking they wouldn't be able to cope or that they would regret giving Gemma Cods. And at the moment, it's, it's kind of working it's still. It's kind of working. They're, they're, they're getting all four of them on the screen at once. Yeah, they're, they are. They're showing that it's very difficult. Um... Yeah, I think I think I think they're coping with it. Yeah, and I want to just quickly say when I say we live in a horrible country, I don't want to anyone to come away with the idea that I'm blaming the social services. We just don't live in a utopia, do we? I'm just saying that the government has cut. Everybody knows this. I don't think anybody is happy with what they've done. Even people that vote for them have voted for them feel betrayed by them cutting all the services for people that are vulnerable and need help. Yeah, but they did give teachers an extra 6.5% this year. So 
that's not um, in line with inflation. If you were being paid <laughs> according to how much bills had gone up, you would be getting more than that. I know, I know. And I can tell you that because I do our accounts. Gemma does our finances at home. Yeah. <laughs> we haven't got any money. Um, anyway. Right. Ed Gamble. So speaking of not having any money, <laughs> lovely segue. Ed, who's also having a miserable family, just the, just the one door down from number five. So, um... He's still being badgered by this guy, Tony, about the money that he owes him for the for the work that he did. And um, he's like, I, I don't... Do we see any more of Tony this week? I don't remember. It feels like as soon as um, Sarge shows up on the screen, Tony's like, OK, I'll, I'll leave you alone for a week while we get to know this new family. And it's, yeah, so Sarge comes in. And, and this straight away was an actor that lots of people recognised as Ram John Holder, who, as you mentioned earlier, played pork pie in Desmond's. I, I, I've never seen Desmond's. Have you? No. You can't shake your head on a podcast, Gemma. What is it? What? It's a comedy show, I think. But I, I recognised oh, him I because... Oh, I recognise him in the pit. He looks almost exactly the same. Yeah, he we, uh, when his the casting was announced, I think it I think it kind of maybe leaks a couple of months ago. I thought, oh yes, I recognise that dude. I've never seen him in anything, but this feels like a bit of a star casting. I don't know, you know, whether he's up to much in the old acting stakes at the moment, or whether he came out of retirement to do Coronation Street. I'm not sure, but I had high hopes for Sarge, um, and I, I quite like him. I'm going to say, what are your first impressions of Sarge? Um, He felt very much like a character that comes along every now and then where they bring their reputation and their uh, fan base with them when they come. Hmm. I'm not, I don't think he's got a massive fan, you know what I mean? Like he, he comes in. And he's already got. You're already supposed to know who this who this is because you know the character. You know the, you know the actor. He plays similar yeah. roles and, and different and, things. Okay, I recognised him, and I kind of think I think he's beloved, but he's not. Um... It's no. It's he. It's not like you know bringing in Ian McKellen or or, or anything of uh, like that. Well, but the, the, he, yeah. He he's a he's an actor that lots of people will recognise and 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 that that's good. But did you? Did he's you... got lots of warm feelings. He's like riding on a wave of good of good feelings, isn't he? He's come in. He's he already commands your attention because he's got this warmth to him. He's he's I think he's charismatic. He's very relaxed. I enjoy like watching him. There. I'm enjoying he got listening on with everybody. to him. He I'm has enjoying... a very like, nice accent. Yeah, I, so he's got quite a lot going for him. He's all, he's also spending a lot of time just kind of lounging around on the sofa because he's quite old. I know. Why is he get? Why is he doing asking for a business loan? I'll be asking for retirement money. <laughs> well, I saw a theory. Somebody online said, I think it might have been someone on Reddit saying, "I wonder if um, Sarge has got a gambling addiction of his own, and well, this he, is why he's asking he's for money." Isn't he? Maybe, maybe. maybe. Um, but yeah, he's. It's nice to have you know the the elder wise kind of. Um, uh, what's the word that's not that means dad that's fancy that begins patriarch pa- yeah that's, that's what I'm thinking <laughs> nice kind of patriarchal figure in Sarge and he's like really chilled um, he's the sort of you know all, all the young uns say oh granddad Sarge you're b-. so yeah I, I like him so far I think he's doing a decent job of playing the part old old ram and um, 
but equally, he's all—he's not a character who immediately I'm saying, "Wow, oh, this is brilliant! Thank goodness they brought this guy in. He's here. To, he's come to, you know, do a. a, a I, I, I assume it's a short guest stint. I really, he's really don't know. Eighty-nine, core blimey! He's, he's almost—he's—he's he's snapping at the heels of Barbara Knox and William Roach, he's isn't got he? A, he's got a CBE. He got it Ooh, uh, fancy. in 2021. Yeah, so I'm not going, he, this guy is amazing. He's the he's my favourite character. Oh, I don't ever want him to leave. I'm not getting that from him. But I'm glad he's here. And he, he's helped add, bring a bit of life and in, in interest to the Bailey story this week. Yeah. Are you on similar kind of lines there? Yeah, yeah. I mean, the Baileys, okay. So how did they come in? Who did we have first? We had James being chased by a crick James- by Steve with a cricket bat. James came in first, then he brought in I think it might have been Aggie next. Ag- Aggie, then then was it Ed and then Michael. I think they kind of came fairly close to each other. And then and then and then that was and then they kept saying, Oh Dee Dee this, Dee Dee that and Dee Dee never came in for ages. Yeah, then we had Ronnie. Then Ronnie came and they was like, Okay. Dee Dee comes and we're like, yeah, cool, Dee Dee. Everyone's been going on about Dee Dee. I'm glad that she's arrived. People are raving about her. And now Sarge is here and you're like, oh, okay, cool. Okay. Like how many... (laughs) I think if you you liked him in Desmond's, you probably liked him in this. No, I know, but I'm I'm not talking about him as a character or an actor. I'm saying as a member of the Bailey family, were people going, but what about their dad? I just kind of assume that when you're a character at a certain age, your, your dad's probably not here anymore. Sad but true, but but equally, um, I'd rather they brought in another character that feels like it, they could be in it for a longer period of time. Like you said, I do feel like this is a guest stint. But I don't maybe, think is I, this I adding... don't think the Baileys need any more. No, I'm not saying they do. I'm not saying they okay. do. I'm saying if they were to. Anyway, but anyway, what? this guy brings, like I said, kudos with him. It's good. Does it? Is this cementing their reputation as a as an important family by adding this this mm. character? And you know, I do feel incredibly ignorant that I've never seen this actor in anything, but I haven't. No, I, I can't say anything else than that. But I'm I'm really happy that he's got this great reputation and he seems really fun. He does seem fun and he seems chilled and he seems to be enjoying being on Coronation yeah, like Street that. and that that does count that for a lot. Way. He's yeah. not phoning it in, is no, he? No, no. So anyway, he comes to the door. Then Ronnie's round late. Basically, the, the, a lot of Monday is just characters going, "Oh, Granddad Sarge, what are you doing?" I really, here? you get the, you get. I don't even know if Ed said this directly, but. It seems like Ronnie's the gold golden child. Yes, no, that's the that's definitely the feeling. That and Ed's we get. like the the crap. So, but Ronnie's the young one, isn't he? He's younger. Yeah, I think so. So, so do you think they're like, oh, Ed's off? Should we just do over? Well, no, they talk a bit about. <laughs> do you know what I mean? Yeah, no, they talk a bit about it because um, uh, Sarge is impressed with Vinny's. Oh my god! This is we keep doing this for what, some what, reason. For some reason, it's Vinter Morgan. It's Vinter Morgan. We even we even made a tweet this week where we called him Vinny. I'm forever calling him Vinny in the notes. Yeah. So sorry, sorry if we ever say Vinny. We'll say Vinny, and we mean Ronnie. Yeah, you just have to remember that one. Yeah. So he, um, Ronnie uh, says Sarge is impressed with Ronnie's like business acumen and his and success sexy and he, he likes the idea Sarge likes the idea that you know Ronnie's made something of his life but also you know Ed Ed is got his own business as well but 
Ronnie's, well, Ronnie's got a slick we'll get... suit and a, and a beanie and, 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 a, and a fancy hat and, and sunglasses, so he's obviously the cooler, more successful one. And, and well, Ed talks... resents not being the golden child. He's only got the silver medal. Well, he talks at length, doesn't he, um, Sarge, about how great Ed's old house was. Yeah, exactly. Well, let's go. Let's and go you're, and you, yeah, haven't you gone down in the world and 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 stuff? So anyway, um, Ronnie says, "Look, I know what we can do. Let's all have a family reunion together." Sorry, James and Aggie can't be here. At some point during the week, we get the news. I think it was maybe Wednesday's episode that Aggie's not going to be back for Christmas. Um, so everyone, so Ed's a bit sad about that. But anyway, the don't family worry, that we've got here... Joel will be there. Yeah, don't worry. Joel's bringing the bread sauce. We're not even going to re- recognise that Aggies are gone. But they're all going to go around the bistro for a slap-up meal. And don't worry, Dad, me and Ed are paying. Is anyone else getting really, really fed up of Ronnie just assuming that Ed will pay for everything. They're really ramming it down our throats. If you have a mon- if you have money troubles in Coronation Street, and this isn't a rare thing, you, you get You'll be expected to you'll pay be expected for to pay for things for copious amounts of things. And... and you and you're like, oh you can't say no, so you just get worse and worse into debt. But Ronnie needs to notice a bit more that Ed... Well he needs to stop spending other people's money. Ronnie's a successful businessman I don't think Has it's he forgotten that not no for a grown man to say to his brother, "We'll go fifty fifty on a meal." Wouldn't you just go? You get it next time. Mm. It's a you know we 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 know people who are more affluent than us, and sometimes they suggest things or say things that we can't really afford to do. I just say no, we can't do that. Yeah, I'm not doing that. I've just fed but, you dinner. But. Give Ronnie, me money for that. <laughs> Ronnie knows that Ed has very recently been struggling with, with money and gambling. Well, and, I'm just going to point this out. Stuff. So He's well. struggling with money. He also lives with all of his family and he buys everybody's meals. And his wife is not working at the moment. I don't imagine she's working from Auntie Corona's house. So she's obviously taking time off work. She's not getting paid for it because it's not, she's not sick. She's not got all the holiday time. So she, he's only got one income. He's got a stupid son that lives with him and a beautiful grandchild. And he does have a lawyer for a daughter though. She's probably, she can pay it. next time. I'd say Ronnie. Yeah. Dee Dee will go halves with you. Yeah. I just think that Ronnie should be, should open his eyes a little bit more. And, and I get that they're doing it for the drama and to make us, the viewer go, Oh no, not again. Ed, you're being asked to spend money you don't have, but I get this it. I feel like I'm being now. beaten over the head with Ed constantly being expected to it's, pay things because Ronnie thinks that he's he's loaded. It's not. It's it's the fact that it's happened so many times in a row now. It's just getting a mm. bit silly, isn't it? And then we're getting more scenes of uh, of Ronnie of, of of Ed. Sorry, coming out of places with money. <laughs> Either he's won money or he's sold stuff off. Yeah, he's, what do you reckon he sold in? So he goes to Bargainanza, doesn't he, in the precinct? So they put this meal. Ed panics. And then he goes to the pawn shop in the precinct. He comes out with money. Yeah. And then he bets on a horse or something to try to make that money into enough money to pay for the bill. Did he go do a bet? Did he? Well, hang on. So they all get they all get to the bistro, and and Ed is is got his earpiece, and he's looking at his phone. Oh yes, he's watching something happen, and he's pretending he's waiting for a call. Yeah, and and Vinny's. Bloody hell. <laughs> Ronnie is telling him to put his phone away. Um, 
so they talk about um, the 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 new development of the of the pub, I think, and and Sarge is saying, oh, I hope that Ronnie, you're the one in charge of the books, and not Ed, because it tur- well, what we learn is that Sarge was is under the impression that the reason that the family fell on bad times is because of poor business decisions. He do- he doesn't know about Ed's gambling, does he? He thinks that not Ed yet. is just a terrible. Um, decision maker decision maker or terrible at managing well finances. you can really be bad have bad luck I don't I don't know that every business that fails is because somebody's mm. awful at sums no well this is what Sarge thinks and um, anyway Ed's gamble hasn't paid off the horse slash football match slash the, the horse failed to score any goals during mm. the championship heavyweight it doesn't boxing work. match so um, then the, t- the time comes to pay for the meal. Ronnie's like, yeah, 15% tip. We can afford that, can't we, Ed? Don't say out loud what the tip is, Ronnie, you classless fool. <laughs> uh, and Ronnie's like, don't worry, Ed, I'll pay for the lot now, but you can transfer me what you need later, all right? No. <laughs> so Ed, oh yeah, we do see a bit more Tony. I'd forgotten about this one. He meets up with Tony at the yard, who's at the end of his tether by this point, because he's he's paid, he helped get this hoist into Paul's bath weeks ago. And yeah, we needs, do see Tony because they have a heartfelt conversation later on. I can't, I can't remember what happened. I yeah, I'd remember this. I remember the Sarge stuff of the story, but not everything else. Ed's like, I don't have the money, Tony. Yeah, Tony finds out that Ed's been gambling because he sees the betting slip that falls out of Ed's pocket. Um, and Ed's like, please don't tell me, don't tell anybody that you found this out about me. I will get you the money. I just need a few more days. And Tony's like, fine, you've told me this a few times before, actually, Ed, but... Don't make me do something I don't want to do. So he's a bit of a veiled threat here from Tony. Um, do you think that? Do you think that Tony is is to be feared? Do you think he's going to actually? You have forgotten make exactly. Good on his you've threat? forgotten what happened in the story. You'll find out as you. I've read completely it. forgotten what happened. I've I thought they did forgotten. this. They ended this this Tony subplot quite well. Okay. Okay. You'll find so, out. I'm so excited. It's you like I'm watching it all over again. I do. It's you easy. always forget what happens during the week. It's but I've completely forgotten what happened. So I'm just making this... I'm just reading these notes as I go along. So they go along to number three. Sarge Amazing. is saying that um, you were in a bit of a naff house. And Joel is there <laughs> having to bite his tongue about the, the whole business. And that, that, that he knows that what's, what's been going on with Ed and his gambling. Dee Dee can't take it anymore and says, look, Sarge, granddad... My dad was a gambling addict, but he beat it and we're proud of him and he's definitely not gambling anymore. Are you, dad? He's overcome it and now he would never do that Mm. ever again. Sarge is very disappointed in Ed um, at this news. And he says, oh, gambling addicts are weak. Dee's like, no, Ed's the strongest person I know. That's bloody so cliche phrase that is, isn't it? And they also start talking about it as as like being a gambler is a disease. Mm. They mention that quite a lot. Yeah, Ed can't take this anymore and he leaves the room. So Dee Dee, Michael, find Ed at, you guessed it, Victoria Gardens. He's on the sulking The bench. one and only spot where people who disappear on Coronation Street always end up. And they say, look, don't worry about what Grandad says. He's a different generation. Things are different. Don't, don't worry well, about it. It's easy for them to say fine. that, but they would feel terrible if Ed was saying, oh, why, Michael, why do you, why do you transfer a quarter of a million pounds? You're so disappointed. <laughs> Um, back at home Dee Dee you only won the Rising Star Awards where's the other awards you really haven't won any this year have you you rubbish back at home Michael tries to give Ed some extra money for the meal and Ed's like well okay, okay thanks he, he finds this really a struggle because he doesn't want to be taking hands outs from his son no um, and Sarge has been snoozing on the sofa he wakes up and says that Dee Dee has said that we have to get along so 
Um, let's do it. Let, let's 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 be friends, son. Later on, and, and apparently, Ed is with Tony again at the tram stop, still saying he's going to have his money soon again. And Tony is less than impressed about this. And Ed's like, I'm really sorry. It's going to be fine. I'll get you your money. So I don't at the know very that... end of the episode. What? I don't know if that's the last of Tony, but I do remember I it. I think it was. I don't think we saw I any of Tony was... on Wednesday. No, you didn't it. write it down then? What? because Well, they just have this really heartfelt conversation where... Who do, Ed and Tony? Tony's saying, I understand, mate, but I can't just sub you because i got my own things. Nearly Christmas, innit? I, well, I can't remember exactly what was said there. There was it. Oh, well. But, but Ed, Ed's like, listen, Ed, Ed basically goes... He, it, it turned from a cliched... Um, what's it called? Money loan shark. Give me my money. Of, Story, even though it's not a loan shark, he owed him the money fair and square. Like, check, like I'm, I'm a faceless goon who only cares about the money that you owe me, and I don't deserve it anyway. Yeah. Into a story about a, like two men who are actually struggling in their financial situations. Wasn't this the story where he was saying he needed to buy a hairdryer and his daughter's getting married? I don't remember that at all. I must have zoned out with some of this. This is usually what you do. Thank you for filling me in some on the blanks here. There was that scene at the gambling addicts meeting at the end, wasn't there? I didn't know what that was at, at first because we get to see from the person who's leading its point of view and the camera is panning around the back of people's heads and she says, oh, we've got a surprise guest in here this week. And I don't think he called him surprise guest. Or a new person. <laughs> got a new friend, new addict. Can you imagine if they said that every time... If you were an addict and it like you slipped up and then you come to a meeting for the first time in like ten years, like oh surprise guest, Padam, it's Ed. We thought Bailey. you'd be back one day. I I kind of was expecting and and maybe I got my hopes up too high and it was over the course of this ten seconds that maybe somebody else would be there and it wouldn't be Ed, like Debbie. Well, yeah, it could it could have been, couldn't it? Or, or Sarge himself, but no, it was just Ed there who's um who says that he's a gambling addict and. If my if my family stood by me the last time, but if it happens again, they'll be gone. Is that true? I don't. I it think felt like it was a bit feel... catastrophizing, and this is what happens when you're when you're. I, I suppose... this, he's 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 yeah. not okay. It's fair You've to got... worry that your family are going to do that, even if you, they're not. You're mentally vulnerable when you're an addict. I think that's a fair thing to say. Mm. Without demonising anybody, you're not in a good place if you're acting out an addiction, especially one that you think that you've overcome, right? Mm. He's vulnerable and he is afraid because he knows what he lost the first time. And now, Sarge has spent the whole episode telling him how little he has left. And now he thinks he's going to lose that because that's all he's got left. Mm. I think that's fair. Do you think it's... um? Do you, do you think that the, the Bailey family would dump him if they realised what he'd been up to? I think they'd be to? bitterly disappointed and it'd take them a while to forgive him, but I think they would. See, I don't think... I think that the Baileys are one of the closest families on the street. Yes, but this is the same... I think they're all just kind of lovely at heart. They are lovely at heart, but how much can you... Dee Dee would be betrayed because she stood up for him in front of everybody and said that he'd beaten it. Michael's going to be betrayed because they could lose the house if that he's living in with his granddaughter. Mm. I've just got, I I think that Joel's going to be the one that spills the beans on Ed's addiction, and there might be some shock. And Dad, I can't believe this for a moment. Why is Joel going to do it? 
because he's got to do something. So, you know, all be dissing his bread sauce. He's like, yeah. Well, well, at least I didn't bet on a horse. Yeah. Like he did. Right. Um, no, I think that maybe that's going to happen at some point. Um, but yeah, I, I'd, I'd like to think that his family <laughs> don't just abandon him. He's it's not, not that okay. Bad. Right. Okay. Can I just say, the somebody who is in a relationship, whatever that is, with an addict who doesn't tolerate their addiction, addicted behaviour affecting them in a negative way is not abandoning them. They're making a boundary to protect themselves. Do you see the difference? Yeah, but I do. I I would say that the Baileys are so tight-knit that they wouldn't need to do that or they wouldn't feel that they should be doing that. I think they would want I to think rally they're very, to help him. I have, they, they hold traditional values very strongly in their hearts, especially mm. Dee Dee's very religious. Well, I yeah, she's would, forgiving. I think hopefully. that they would forgive him. But it would there there would be there would be damage done to that relationship that is I think he's right to worry. I think You can't betray somebody and expect them. I think that the the scene where it comes out, I would hope that uh, that Trevor would do it. I don't a, think it's gonna come out, do you? I do think it's gonna come out. I think he's gonna be so ashamed you mean of the himself. Actor. Yeah. You said yeah. Trevor. You mean no, he's Ed. gonna give a he's gonna give you a performance Ed. that okay. where to show that Ed is so ashamed of himself that Everyone feels sorry for him. Yeah, I, I'm just I making sure so. you're not talking about the plastic no, dinosaur. <laughs> there was a new one of those today. I, I was waiting to see if for the for, for the first day of December we get to see some Christmas themed Trevor and Connie scenes for the yeah, they uh, the need advert to do some break. Of those. But, um, as far as I know, that they didn't. You you mentioned earlier about um, Dee Dee being a a, a God fearing Christian, and that was brought up as it, for the first time in a while today, wasn't it? When Sarge comes in and sees Dee Dee, he's like, "Oh, it's another at last a God fearing Christian in this family of heathens." <laughs> so, uh, thank you very much for, for for reminding us of that, Sarge. Can I just talk about accents a bit quickly again in yes. regards to Trevor? Yeah, because because of Trevor, so Trevor's played by the actor Charlie Cooper, who's in this country. And if you haven't seen it, it's on BBC, it's three series, <clears throat> and it's set in the Cotswolds. And I love this because it, the accents are like the people I grew up around when I was a kid. Got a bit of a southern accent myself, maybe. Because whenever I watch it, Michael comes in the house, he hears them speaking on the TV and he thinks it's me shouting at him. <laughs> Am I that southern that I sound like? You don't, no. <laughs> Michael, been get a in here. There's, there's been a couple of scenes where I've thought that the telly's been you, yeah. <laughs> Um, okay, so Wednesday. I thought this was going to be a short one, but actually, this is turning into be an epic street talk. I hope this is okay, everybody. No. Um, so anyway, Ron, Ronnie gets told by Ed that he can't stand Sarge being there. He's eating my pastries and everything. And Ronnie says, "Look, you just need to be more zen about this, Ed. He's only going to be here for a little bit." And then Sarge comes in and takes Ed's Eccles cake just to to, to prove his point. And Sarge says, "Look, I've decided." to set up, set up a second food truck. So he's in the, the food truck business, um, just like um, Zidane and Tyrone before yeah. him. And uh, But I uh, can't he wants afford to make it. Better. it. He wants to make it bigger. Yeah. He needs more money. Can I have some money? And at this point, I was like, oh. it's it's a little bit a little bit on the nose where it's, this new character comes in and literally two episodes in they're it's asking really silly, Ed for it? money it's really it's, just it's, like come on be a bit more subtle about this it is really I mean it, I, I don't know how else they could really do this but like what's that Ed you've got a problem with gambling and you're running out of money well here are all your relatives to ask you for money one by one by one mm. 
It really is that, isn't and, it? And, oh, it's your long-lost father. <laughs> and, of <laughs> course, Ronnie says, yes, Dad. Let's go halves. We can give it halves. I'll pay 50%. I'm sure, Ed, you can stump up the other 50, can't you? Ronnie, you... Ronnie's such a, such a div, right? He he has a sexy girlfriend who pays... She He probably, when he goes out for, for a meal with her, he's probably like 50 each, yeah, 50-50. Debbie can pay for this, Debbie yeah. Can, yeah, exactly. So he's he hasn't got any kids. He hasn't... He's got a girlfriend, not a wife. She's no way depending on him whatsoever. And he's got a business. He can't see his brother struggling with all these people that rely on him for money. And he keeps going, yeah, yeah, let's give you 50%. No worry about it, mm. yeah. He just bought a Wendy house. For goodness sake, Ronnie. Those don't grow on trees. <laughs> um, and Ed tries to fight back and's like saying, why should I... My, my dad's never been there for me. Why should I put my hand in my pocket for him? But Ronnie just kind of nags him into submission. And in the end, Ed has to shake on the deal because he hasn't got any choice, so he thinks. Oh, but Ed plays a trick. He does. He has a plan, doesn't he? He tells um, Sarge towards the end of the episode, you will get your money as soon as you're back in... Where did he say he was from? In the Caribbean, they did mention I the place. Ghana. Didn't they? Uh, no, I can't. I can't remember. Um, and uh, anyway, so yeah, it's it's going to be fine. You'll get back and you'll get your money. But um, he then realizes that if he can keep Sarge in the country for a bit longer, despite being very much wound up by him, he won't ever have to pay that money, or at least it will be put off and that can will be kicked down the road a little bit further. So um, we don't get very much of this on Friday. Michael's kind of a little bit suspicious of why Ed wants Grandad to stay when he hated his guts two days ago. Um, and they have a nice little scene on the end of the episode on the sofa, do Ed and Sarge. And Ed's, uh, Sarge has been down the shops to buy armful of Christmas presents for everyone. And he's like, well, you know, I've got, I've got my pride. I'm, if you're going to invite me to stay at Christmas... I'm at least going to give my family something. And Ed's, Ed is appeased by this. And he's like, oh, you're not, not such a bad bloke after all. Um, and that's what we have for that story. What, what are you up to? You... Just trying to find out where Sarge... Who, where are you looking at? Oh, just from that episode. Um, okay, so... Um, anything extra to add to this? I was glad that they gave us the, um, uh, the story behind Sarge's nickname. Do you remember? He... Oh, he said it, to do the TV program. Yeah, he he was his name is Ernest, and he's named Sarge after Sergeant Ernest Bilko from oh, Bilko. that program. I can't remember what that program was if they mentioned it. Um, any cool. any anything you want to add? Gemma's just tapping it's away on Corypedia trying to find out where Sarge is from. Just let us know, write in and let us know, everybody. Do you think that um that Sarge's attitude towards gambling addicts is what Ed needs. And maybe to have this, um, have his dad say gambling addicts a week, could that be enough to make Ed quit? And if he, no. he realises that he's... Of course not. Why? If he's feel, if, if he's, it was that easy, if you could shame people out of addiction, then there would be nobody who had any addictions at all. Because there's enough shame in society for people with addictions... That you, that you wouldn't need your dad to tell you that you've messed up. Yeah, but I think for some people it can be enough. But maybe It's not, not an addiction if somebody can tell you to stop doing it and you stop doing it. Oh, well, maybe I don't understand it well enough then. Okay, next story. Lauren Affairs, Gemma. What's old um, sour face Lauren been up to this Is week to try and make... No, I don't, okay. I'm done with that story. Okay. It was fine. It was fine. I like Sarge. Um, but like I said, I, I still need to be convinced to love him. <gasps> Maybe it will grow over time. Maybe. No, I, th- I like I a Wendy re- house on a tree. Um, 
he did lay it on very thick, didn't he? He was really dismissive and horrible and he said, oh, I'm trying to understand, but I don't. I'm too old to, to get it. Mm. Um, he was really rude. Something tells me that if Ronnie had a gambling addiction, he would try a bit harder to understand it. Yeah, I wonder what would happen there. Or would there just be the disappointment be even greater if it was Ronnie's problem? Well, he's, he obviously picks his favourite kid, doesn't he? Mm. I would love to know. I assume their mu- the mum their mum is dead because I think he mentioned. Okay, may, yeah, maybe. Um, but I would love to know what she's like or what she was like. That could tell you a lot, couldn't it? Mm. Don't you think? Mm-hmm, right, mm-hmm. so Lauren Affairs on Monday. Shane is, Shane is getting annoyed because Lauren's at work. They're both working there and she's on her phone all the time. So she takes it away. What is she doing? She's doing some sad business, probably. Lauren and Shona keep having spats throughout the day and Lauren wants to go to leave early and she tells Shona that the reason she needs to is because she's got two jobs. Yeah, she's she's spinning this yarn about having a call centre job for the rest of the week. That's her cover for whatever... Whatever things... Mysterious uh, escapade she's she's getting up to in her flat. A crochet club. You reckon? She's having a bit of a stitching bitch. <laughs> Lauren bumps into Shona in the precinct and she's got a bag with with alcohol in it. And Shona's like, um, I thought you were supposed to be at your job at the call centre. You're taking advantage of me. Don't do it. So Lauren, then we later see, she's got her dressing gown on. She's in her flat. There's two glasses of wine, of wine empty next to a bottle behind her. She it, it looks like she's been entertaining gentleman callers, doesn't she's it? Got she's very got lo- lots of makeup and a and a dress. A bit on, of a slinky dress. A pair of high heels on the floor. Mm. And Daniel turns up at the flat going, I thought we had a lesson. And she's like, "Oh, I I totally forgot." And he's like, I'll come back another time. And she says, no, 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 I can't think of anything I'd rather do right now. Come inside. Do you think if Daniel found out what Sam, um, that Lauren was really up to, whether he'd be like, oh, interesting. Um, How much? Would you wear this cardigan? How much should you wear this cardigan? (laughs) Go on, Lauren, say syrup. I'll give you a lesson for free. (laughs) God, Michael. So... um, Daniel notices this white, the wine glasses. He, He asks her if she's been drinking. Is she okay? She says she's fine. He sees the shoes on the floor and he's like, this is weird. So what what's going on here then? Is she is she having gentleman callers round or is it just all online stuff? Because we knew that she signed up to Ovid. No, because she's got two glasses. Oh yeah, of course she did, didn't she? I mean, we know from, from her past and from when she propositioned Roy a couple of months ago that she has in the past... Um, she says this. Entered this into week. relationships that she wasn't particularly... Um, willing she basically to, says her dad pimped her out to her friends yes his friends you're right <laughs> um so if so she's kind of used she thinks it's normal that's why when she came on to Roy, she doesn't she just it's... no she it it, it comes she naturally it's part but, of her life yes that that's that's what i'm saying yes. yeah so it's just what it's just what she does and she's got to scrimp and scrape and scrape and and make make men's meet and this is how she's known no, it's been successful no, for her is, in the past this is the interesting question because she was on the phone to somebody, wasn't she? And I thought the insinuation, this was a while ago, that she owed somebody money or they needed money from her. Yeah. So she's obviously not earning enough from her shop job to be able to, to get the money. So she's doing... So I mean, clearly, it looks like she is a sex worker. Mm. I mean, So who is she owing the money to then? Her? Exactly. What's the money for? She's obviously got more than she needs because otherwise she wouldn't be buying Max a watch. Yeah. 
Or what's the what? Where did the watch come from? Was that a gift from one of her? Why would a why would a man give her a man's watch? Maybe a man came round and, and took watch. his watch off and left what, it. What left there. it in the box? Yeah, maybe. He's like, look at my new watch. I forgot. I forgot. She, I left she it. lives above Barganza. She probably went down and got a cheap box. Could have been. Could be a could be a guy's watch. Feels like a bit too of an elaborate excuse when she could have just bought it. Maybe you're right. So so in my head, I'm. Are we supposed to think that Lauren's like her dad's in prison, needs money, being he's being shook up by somebody. He owes them cash for something, so she has to get him the money. So she's doing this. Well, for Reese, maybe. But I, it, it, it is peculiar because I don't. Have we seen or is her there a being, new character that we don't know? Have we seen her being harassed for money recently? I can't remember. The way but she was speaking on the phone, it was like she felt that she owed them the money. Yeah. This person that she's talking to, she yeah. she wasn't like saying, you know, uh, what, she wasn't annoyed. It felt like she was she was feeling indebted in some manner, right? This is why I, I think, think she, so. she's. I think she's a great actress. I just don't like the character. Yeah. Right. No, so I agree on Wednesday, Max and Lauren are in the cabin. She she wants to buy a magazine. She realizes she doesn't have any money, and then Max insists that he buys it for her. What a gent. And then Lauren tells Shona that she and Max are friends again, and she wants some more time off because she's got important things to do, and Shona sighs but agrees. Then we see Lauren come into the salon and she gives Max this watch. Because she heard him say that his was broken. And he's like, wow, this is amazing. Thanks so much. And she says, oh, no, it's fine. My call, The call centre I work at promoted me. And so I've got loads of money now. Then Brian leaves his scarf at the table. At the cafe. We come back to that we later. We come back to that later. Don't worry, this will be addressed. We've not forgotten. Sabrina is not happy to see that Lauren's got a watch for Max. And so she confronts her in the street and says, look, stop playing games with my boyfriend. Stop buying him gifts. I don't want you to to, to do this. It's, it's weird. Which I think is fair enough, really. I, I don't know why Max... Mm. Can't, don't doesn't get this is not right. I'm I'm slightly worried that through this storyline, Sabrina's going to come off as a bit too jealous, jealous and it, it's not going to be a good look for her because I don't think I enjoyed the character as much this week no, as I had done previously do. because she was just a bit of a you know if we on the one hand Cory is trying to make us feel sorry for Laura and it's going a bit about ass about face about doing it. But if you've got this character, Sabrina, who is clearly anti-Lauren, it's, she's not going to come off very well, purposefully. But, yeah, I, I hope now that they're friends again, it's going to be fine. Um, Shona overhears them having an argument. She comes and breaks everything up. And Lauren says, look, I don't want, I don't want to be anything but mates. Yeah, and I don't want to be. I don't want to. I'm not trying. I'm not to, trying to get your boyfriend off you. Get, yeah, and Sabrina's like, ugh, but she, and then she feels guilty, so she turns up later at Lauren's flat to apologise to her in person, which reflects very well on her, but really is just because they didn't want to have a phone call because <laughs> that would be a cop out. Um, she uh, and Lauren's saying, um, well, she says to Lauren, "I know you're trying to turn your life around, and I I respect that." And Lauren accepts her apology. And Sabrina admits that she felt bad when Lauren says she didn't have any friends. And Lauren says, I'm not trying to split you up, I promise. And Sabrina says, let's start again. Let's be open about it to each other. Let's be friends. Let's try to make a relationship. And then Lauren just goes, my dad pimped me out. And Sabrina's like, okay. Wow. TMI. 
that's more than I know about some of my really close friends. <laughs> yeah, she, she just kind of says this to try to explain that she didn't have any of her own friends, her own age. She only ever had her dad's friends that were too friendly mm. with her. And she's kind of obviously opening up and uh, saying this to Sabrina. Uh, later on, where's the scarf come into it then? Um, well, Brian comes back to the cafe to, to retrieve his scarf and Bernie, who needs somebody to talk to for the scene to make sense, says, oh, Brian, while you're here, can you help check the money oh, that I've got? I'll count this because I'm a stupid woman. Yeah, I've put... We later find out I've put £80 underneath a drawer in the till, but for now we think that Lauren has stolen it. And that's why the scarf is important, because it got Brian back to the cafe. You didn't actually write that in the notes. No, I didn't. That's a trick Good job I remembered. Um, So we we go into Friday's episode on the assumption that Lauren has pinched this money in order to purchase the the £80 watch for Max. It costs over £100, actually. Oh, sorry, it didn't. On Friday, he gives it back, he tries to give it back to Lauren because it costs over £100, and she takes it back she's not happy about it and she says i'm sorry that um got you in trouble with sabrina then at the cafe bernie tells shona about the missing money and shona just immediately puts two and two together and realizes that it must have been lauren even though that's not true and she accuses her of stealing it because she's she's seen this happen yesterday where this woman bought an expensive watch and and Lauren's like, no, I work in a call centre and that's why I've got money and I've also got a rich boyfriend and also that's why i got um, a watch. And Shona's like, no, no, no. Shona just... knows the word on the street is that this call centre that Lauren claims to be working at is actually doing redundancies at the moment. I know, she's like, I, well, who's, who's your supervisor? Because all my friends work at that call centre. You don't have any friends, Shona. You're like everyone else on the street. You're yeah, just Shona, massive you're just loner. Posting. Um, so she gets caught out and she keeps insisting that she didn't steal the money but Shona says well I've got no choice I've got to take you off the rotor um, because you're a thief and then Lauren says stick your job up your bum poor Lauren so hard done by Max comes home to the cafe and Shona tells him that Lauren stole the money and then she picks up <laughs> part of the till and he's like oh actually this is it's here now wow awkward <laughs> so Boy, do I feel dumb. Again, another person going to Lauren's flat to, to tell them tell her that she's a great person. They might as well just turn to the camera and said, everybody, Lauren's a misunderstood, sad, tragic character that we should all really like. <laughs> Basically. Yeah, we've had two people turn up to tell us this. Um, she brings her an apology card to Shona and Lauren's like, no, I don't want it. I don't want to come back to the cafe. I don't want, want to work with you if, you if you don't trust me. So Shona is really annoyed. Really well done in ingratiating yourself to us there, Lauren. <laughs> Again, totally natural reaction for somebody in her situation. And in fact, somebody who isn't in her situation. Because if somebody accused me of stealing, I wouldn't be as forgiven. But um, it's not, it doesn't make a pleasant character, does it? No. So Shona goes back to number eight. She's annoyed that she's made a mess of things and accused her of something she didn't do. She tells Max and Sabrina about this and she says, he, she said she's got a new boyfriend and that's where the money comes from, but I don't believe her. And Max wonders if they should go around because it turns out it's her birthday today. I thought you were going to wish Whoa, her a happy birthday. Happy birthday, Lauren. 
So they go around. Is the she eighteen? I, I lost track of her age after she lied to Ryan about it. But I'm sure it turned out that she was seventeen. So maybe now this is her eighteenth birthday. And maybe they should have made a bit more of a big thing about it. But I don't know. Well, it's really sad that she doesn't have anybody that cares apart from somebody who just recalled that it's her birthday. So they go around the flat and they buy her a reduced Rutland's birthday cake and a <laughs> bottle of cider, which they seem to drink a core of before Max vomits everywhere and has to go home. <laughs> He's got a weak constitution, does does Max. What? Was, listen, I tell you what, when he was hanging out with that white supremacist group, he only picked up the racism and not the drinking habits. He yeah. could have done it the other way around, couldn't he? So... Looks like they're forgiven. They have a really good time. They play Operation, complete with medical masks, which I thought was a really funny touch. Mm. And um, after Max is sick, they have to leave. I like the way he tidied up, he cleaned up the sick, but why couldn't he have been sick in the loo? Yeah, he comes out of the bathroom with his marigolds and he's like, oh, it's all sparkly clean in there now. <laughs> <laughs> um, he's still feeling ill, so they, so they leave. But it looks like they, they had a good time and Lauren really appreciated them coming and she wants to hang out with them again. So This, this could be... A turning point for Lauren because she's been a total antagonist in this story for months now. But now they're friends. I guess that they'll hang around each other a bit more, Will, Sabrina and Lauren, and she's going to find out. Probably she's going to go to her flat and one of the gentleman callers will be there. She'll assume that this is the boyfriend that Sabrina's been talking about. And then over the course of that episode or maybe give it a couple, she'll realise exactly what's going on there and be like, no, Lauren, you shouldn't be doing that. You should only do it if it empowers you. Yeah, and you're not looking too empowered. You don't look empowered. No. Um, So anyway, that was it. Was all it was kind of low key, wasn't it? Was anybody really gagging to find out what happens next in the saga of Sabrina, Max, and Lauren? I'm gonna say no, but do write in and tell us if you think otherwise. Um, so apart from what have we got next we got the we got the bullying storyline this is another a lot of this week it just didn't stick in my brain and I know I am a bit tired again but I'm thinking what did happen to, to Mason and co this week I remember there was a, a, a school bag thrown on top of a yellow van at one point but apart from that I don't know I'm going to be working at, this is one as I go along Liam's still trying to swerve school as well he's obviously been getting ideas from Joseph about not turning up for his education but Maria and Gary aren't having any of it and saying no you're off to school let me set a, a wet blanket about it and um, he gets another message saying snitches get stitches so I get it I yeah, get it. yet another um, harsh Harsh rebuke. Yeah, from, from now, Mason there. this week of Corrie could have been called Why Do Children Bunk Off School? A study in two parts. Mm. They might be ill. They might be faking it. They might be getting bullied. So um, Dylan's mad at school for with Liam for getting him detention. And then we see after school Mason catches up with Liam and says, well, this is your fault. Dylan's got detention now. Well, because Orla hears them talking about selling Oh, boats. yeah, she does, doesn't she? She and hears says, about right, them talking about selling See me selling after boats. school. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah, yeah. I don't want to go home. He, he makes out, does Mason, that he's a bit of a nice guy. Um, and because he and he says, oh, what's that bag? That's really cool. Let me have he a look at it. Liam. He says to Liam, and then he chucks it on onto onto Ed's van, and then filming him climbing up. Oh, what a scallywag that Mason as well. is! Yeah, um, this is what I hate. This is so horrible. Mm. Imagine, I mean, we bullying was bad enough, and we said this before about social media getting getting attacked online as well. But p- having people film you being bullied is so humiliating. What's it called when kids used to do that? Well, I suppose they mean? still do. When you, when what do you mean? It was a craze that teenagers would film people getting beaten up. 
There's a word for it, Slap. but I can't remember what it is. Oh, yeah, happy slappy thing, wasn't it? That's what this was. He also brings up um, his dad, Mason, dad. doesn't he? He, he talks about um, Liam Cullum Sr. getting hit by a car. He's like, that was a good episode when your dad died. Do you remember that? Do you remember? Um, and then Gary gets asked by Liam, do you, did you know my dad? And Gary's like, no. Uh, but um, nobody had a bad word to he say He was about in him. Downton Abbey. Yeah. So Wednesday-wise... <laughs> Gary walks Liam he to, to the bus. There's a little house. continuous <laughs> shot of them going down Victoria Street, which, you know, it was like that. But Mason is sitting on the back seat of the bus when Liam gets on. Oh, and no. rather than just sitting on the front seat, he decides to get right off and bumps into George. And the pair of them have this lovely scene, we briefly mentioned earlier, um, where George talks about... Um, Frank, his bully at school, and how he came face to face with him last year, and how it really kind of shook him. And um, sometimes you just don't get over these, and they cut you deep, and um, they they can be with you for a lifetime. But I tell you what, me old son, I wish that I'd spoken out about Frank when he was horrible to me about school. I'd have definitely told me dad that if I uh, if I could have had my time again, if there's something going on with you and this bloke on the bus, you need to tell your mum about it. It's um, not very inspiring. Um, he was. It was a really good talk, but if I was Liam and this man in his fifties, yeah, that's told that. me I'm still crushed about my childhood bully, even now. I think that would be uninspiring. Yeah, but it's only because he didn't tell. He'd dob him in. That was basically it, wasn't it? The, the, he he manages to to get through to the end of another week with Without with, with Gary and Maria not having a snifter that anything's wrong, and Gary still thinks that he's cock of the walk for clearly putting the frighteners on Mason a couple of weeks ago. And but, Jake's um, covering for Liam about. What's oh yeah, going they do on. a little fist bump, don't they? <laughs> Brothers covering up. Brothers in arms. Yeah, exactly. The three, the two musketeers. Brothers in fists. No. Isla Begila. <laughs> Basic. Mm-hmm. Can we just summarise this yeah. story by you saying... You don't like it when I do this. Well, uh, let me just see if I can remember this. Hmm, I think that Nina got fed up with Asher going about on about Isla and then they decide to meet up with each other and they're a bit annoying and then Nina ends the episode even more fed up. Is that Nina, basically what happens? Nina's jealous and she can't communicate this adequately to, to Asher. So instead of... Well, Asher's not listening. But instead of trying to communicate like they would have done maybe a year ago, she just sulks and makes makes a greater distance between herself and Asher by sulking and refusing to engage and being moody. And so when Asher arranges on Friday a, a meal with her colleagues, Miles and Isla... Mm. Is Miles a fellow paramedic? Yeah. Yes, they were. They were talking paramedic stories, weren't they? And so Asha, Asha's there waiting for Nina to turn up, and she's bigging her up and saying, "Oh, yes, yeah, she's a designer, she's in fashion." And then when Nina turns up, she's like, "I'm not a designer." I Don't just know why work she in said that. And and kind of makes Asha look like a tit, and then and then they go off home, and she says, "Why did you say, you know?" And they kind of say that they're going to forget all about it and start again. But Nina is a designer. She designed clothes for the factory. I think I think the idea is Nina... Nina's just cle- sulky. Nina clearly saw that Asher was trying to hide the fact that she is only a lowly cafe worker. I didn't worker. think that was the case. Yeah, I, I think that she... Do you she, think that she was? I Yes, I do. I, really? I think that she was too ashamed 
of what her girlfriends would currently have on her CV mm. for current employment. And, and Nina saw that at least as well anyway. Well, that, that's how she interpreted it. Well, so she, I, I'm yeah, not surprised if she right. went off on one. But, you know, this story was very much just going around in circles, wasn't it? Suspect, like, Nina's just not coping or dealing with this in a very mature way and she's going to end up making Asha get fed up with her and... Although at the end, doesn't Asha say, I promise I won't see Isla on socially anymore, I'll only work with her, because she realises that... It's taking re- a toll. Yeah, on, the, on their relationship, but... What I was Nina up to, that she arrived so late, hmm? Yeah, good Exactly, because she already ditched those other people, didn't oh. she? Was it? Oh, yeah, she oh, yeah, she on... does. She ditches college friends. On that Wednesday. was weirdly done. She gets a text message... And the contact that the text comes from just says, like, college gang. Yeah. So... She's got a friend called College Gang. Yeah, or either that or the whole of her college gang share one phone. Yeah. Because they've spent all their college... Um, Alcohol. On, on booze, yeah. They've bought a load of bottles of cider and some reduced Rutland cakes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and that was that. There's nothing to talk about in that one. Simon. Simon. That's what we're doing. Simon sad on Monday because the, the vapes were stolen. Carla... And Peter aren't doing well. Simon's moping in the bistro. He's getting drunk and he's mouthing off at Leanne, which is... Um, That's your thing. I mean, it's him at his most lovable, isn't <laughs> it? <laughs> she she gets annoyed. Well, she's like, oh, no, I'm worried. He's mouthing off. She phones Peter to come and get him. He turns up and says, look, don't worry about being a rubbish businessman. Don't, don't drown your sorrows and don't waste your life. Like I did. And in the evening, Peter and Carla have a chat and Peter says, why don't you get him more responsibility at the factory? And she's like, I can't just employ anybody random at the factory. You, I know it looks he that way. He does work at the factory currently, doesn't he? No, I know, he? but I can't just give people random jobs like I did Toya. Look what happened there. Hmm. I don't even know what she did still. <laughs> I paid that woman for like a year. <laughs> so she's like, I haven't got time to train anybody and... That That's it. it. That that felt like utter filler. Well, I guess it's building up. To it's building up to something more. Carla and Peter. Carla and drama. Peter growing further apart. Simon becoming disillusioned with life. I'd, I'd say it's Simon becoming a more of an actual character, not somebody Simon. that just makes a, an appearance once every six months. This is the most we've seen of Simon for years. This past few weeks, even though it doesn't seem to be adding up to much, but yeah. at least it shows that he's not been forgotten. Um, and speaking of that... Mumbly Crystal. We Yeah, we haven't forgotten about Crystal, who... Um, what's she doing? Still fancying Ryan? Ryan Prescott looking maybe like he's just come off holiday in scenes that were filmed today. He looked a little bit tanned. Um, but he gets a job offer today from a big gym chain offering him the position of head of head social, of social media, media like we've seen your sex videos <laughs> we want, we think you could do that with our gym. But they really headhunt him for that. Aren't there enough people who actually work in social media crying out for jobs. Aren't there people who work at their gym already that might be promoted to head of social media? Do you think he need? do you not think he needs training up? Well, maybe. How would you run a department as a, of, of social media? It doesn't seem like the job is exactly in his skill set, but I'm sure that doesn't make his any difference. His skill sets are sexy videos and DJ videos. Yeah. I, I when I heard the phone call, I oh, didn't he does no. Just I mean, yeah, and bicep videos. So that does make sense. But he's got to make sure when he goes in, he got to really get it in his head which one he's doing. Because if also, he gets the wrong one, 
first day of work. If you're going for a job in social media, don't call it Twitter, call it X. Call it X. You've got to show you've got your finger on the and pulse. And say, have you guys heard of the TikToks? Mm. He, anyway, he's not, he's not completely sure whether he's ready for this job. Leanne's encouraging Leanne's him. Leanne's like, but, get out of there. <laughs> but um, that's about it, really, wasn't it? The, 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 those last couple of stories were, were very kind of fillery, but I assume that we've got the build-up of Ryan because it's going to be one of the major stories next week. So um, I can't think you'll be like, got that to look forward Daisy, to. my friend, you can teach me about how to be a social media manager. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. Will you make a sexy video with me? I mean, a bicep video. <laughs> um, right, what we were we writing this week's Coronation Street. Not, not so great. Nice chat. Enjoyed it. Liked having a, a, a debrief of the week with you, Gemma. You had fun. Um, but the actual week of Coronation Street itself um, was just just okay. I'm waiting. We, we had a couple of brilliant weeks a month or so ago. Um, and I really hoped that that would carry on. But it feels like now they're in a different filming block. It's just lost that momentum. And I'm still also thinking, what's going on with the pub? There's a lot of What's things What's happened here. to Jenny and Daisy's yeah. mission to There's reopen a... the Rovers? Who cares? There's quite a lot of things here that I'm not bothered about. Where's and a Amy few things week? that I feel like I'm being made to feel like I care about when I don't. Mm. Yeah. It, it wasn't it wasn't terrible, the, but the, it wasn't brilliant. I don't know who I'm going to give as my character of the week. Oh, the on. inclusion of the Winter Brown stuff sa- saved it, I think. Do you reckon? Well, because I liked the Christmas stuff. The Christmas stuff was nice. I mean, I want to know what. Do you not? Are you not interested in what's going on with Joseph? Because I am. I think it's really fascinating. I'm really curious. I'm curious, but I get a feeling that whatever it is, we'll just go. Oh, okay, it's that, is it? Um, I Rather thought, than, of course, the clues are there all along. The more I think about it, the more I think that the this Sarge was very heavy-handed with the whole. Oh, you're you're the golden child. You're the rubbish child. Here's mm. a hammer. I'm going to hit you on the head of it because you're. <laughs> Just in case you haven't got the point that I think you're a terrible child. Who's your character of the week then? Are you giving oh, it to Joseph? You giving <laughs> it Joseph with his dramatic flop. <laughs> giving it to Isla. Giving it to Miles. Um, nobody's jumping out to me just because it was a bit of a kind of week. So um, it's hard. It's difficult. Um, I mean, Bernie was Bernie was pretty good. pretty good, wasn't Bernie's she? Bernie's always good. Yeah. Paul um, wasn't in it enough. No. No, it was Billy. Dev was good. Dev wasn't in it enough. So, and and, and Sarge was alright as is well. Is it Gemma? Mm. Maybe. I feel I felt really she bad for her. She wasn't a son. I felt I really I think Corey has done a really great job of depicting a a, a woman who is just being pushed um to the limits. Un, um, uh, honestly though the best thing for her is to get out of that bloody house and don't have to clean up after Chesney and he can have a piece of, taste of his own medicine yeah maybe when she comes back he'll be a reformed character maybe he'll be like, like Gemma I had no idea I didn't realise that you cleaned the socks I thought there was a fairy that lived here <laughs> who cooked and cleaned and wiped bums and I faces. thought that Abby just came round and collected all the pants and washed them for the whole street but apparently Kevin's it's only saying, Kevin's pants that Kevin's Abby washes Kevin's been saying that Abby does everyone's pants but it, I think it's you isn't it for this house though just this house right um right okay i'm gonna give my character of the week this week i'm gonna give to, it to Gemma. i'm gonna give it to bernie i think again good She's i think excellent. i think she had another couple of cracking scenes and uh trying to hold it together for her family well she also you can see it i don't think they said this but you could see it in her face thinking 
if I wasn't going to prison tomorrow, I this this wouldn't be a bigger deal because I could stay here and look after the kids so that Chesney wouldn't have to worry because nobody said this, but what the hell is he going to do with five kids? I don't know. And a job. How is he going to cope? Well, I think that Ben, I think that, um, no, I was going to say, I think Bernie's going to help her. She's going to be able to She's in prison. Again, isn't she? Dev, the only thing Dev can do is give him time off work. Mm. That's paid. But, I mean, he's going to have to, isn't he? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, right. Character of the... I oh, know. Character of the week. We're done. Gemma. Right. Score. Give me a score. Two and a half wheelie thrones. Wheelie thrones. Wheelie thrones. Wheelie... What was that in reference to? That was um, Paul sitting on his wheelie throne. Oh, yeah, yeah, of course. Um, I've got a few that I wanted to give, give it to this week. Um, no, a few scores you want to score yeah, out. I, I was thinking I might give it a score out of testicles at the breakfast table from the uh, the little uh, Alahan scene earlier in the week. But uh, now I think I'm going to give this week's coronation to eat three God-fearing Christians in this family are heathens <laughs> out of five. Okay. And um, I liked the reference it. to to Aggie's sticky marmalade turkey debacle that they don't speak of uh, in yeah. the Bailey house. <laughs> Poor old Auntie Corona. She's going to be suffering with that this Christmas, isn't oh she? Oh my God, what's she going to cook her? <laughs> right, let's move on. Let's, we're, we're done with this. It's time for news. It is time for news. Hello, everybody. It's Hello. time for the news. Did you know you can make a jam from pineapples and courgettes? If you're Aggie Bailey. Apparently it's really nice that it doesn't taste of courgette. Why are you saying that? That was a random... Because I was just looking on my phone and I've got a tab open. <laughs> oh. I actually have 469 tabs and one of them is zucchini pineapple jam. Oh, but I translated it to courgette. The things you I get up to while I'm in the kitchen making cups of tea. Yeah. Um, right, news time. Jodie Prenger, we all love her, don't we? She's going to be stepping away from the cobbles we again for a little her. bit, just for one night. Uh, she is going to be playing... Um, in the one-night production of Gypsy at the Hope Mill Theatre in Manchester, which is a lovely little intimate theatre that we have attended once uh, to see Sally and Matthews on stage, and it's very nice. Sunday, so, the 25th of February. Yeah, she did it. It's just too late. See, this is like two weeks after half-term. Otherwise, I would almost certainly be recommending we go up there for this. So, um, Jodie, if you're listening and Jody's you want to just get into rehearsals a couple of weeks earlier to bring it back to you know, Valentine's week, that'd be lovely. But um, Gypsy, I, I, I uh, being a, um, a heathen of theatre, I didn't know what this was and you said it was apparently a, a musical. famous musical. Yeah. Um, I, I didn't know it, but um, yeah, Jodie's going to be uh, in it. I, I've got no other information than that, but I'm going to spring it out for a bit longer. It's about... A girl who kills her mum. Is it? Is it? I'm making a joke about a true crime case. Oh, I don't... That's a deep cut, that is. Jodie has said, I'm beyond thrilled to be part of the upcoming Gypsy concert. It's a dream role for anyone in the theatre world, and I'm honoured to have the opportunity to bring this iconic character to life. I think that if you're living in the vicinity of Manchester and you're a bit of a uh, Glenda fan, you should maybe go along and see that yeah. and tell us about it. The only person who can live vicariously through you. Go is the person who left a comment on our YouTube channel this week to just tell us they hate Jodie Pranger. Yes, I don't, Sorry, think it, I don't think this shows for you. I think everyone minus one yeah. loves Jodie Pranger. This person definitely... I don't understand why people do this. It's so random. It's like everyone's. Ha- it's like a party. You're having a party and someone just opens the door and goes, I hate everyone here. And then closes the door again. <laughs> okay, cool. Nobody asked you, though. 
It wasn't an invitation for you to tell me this. And now, speaking of events that Corrie fans can go to, there's one coming up very, very soon. In fact, next Friday. Yes, go to this. Um, this is at 10.30 in the morning, so I think many people might be at school or jobs. But if you're in the Manchester area, I would highly recommend you get yourself over to the Daisy Nook Garden Centre in Failsworth, which we've talked about numerous times before on the podcast, because owner Mark Llewellyn is going to be doing a talk about the ladies of Coronation Street. It is, of course, next week Coronation Street's birthday, and every year Mike likes to put on talks, and he's very, very knowledgeable, and uh, he makes us look like total amateurs, we which make of ourselves course look like we're not. Amateurs. We know all the curry stuff, but he knows it all plus one, and um, so it's he's very entertaining to to, to uh, listen to. It's a free event. There's a collection tin if you're feeling a bit generous. Honestly, if you're the, around, is it the Willow? go and see him. Yeah, yeah, the Willow, Willowwood Hospice. Hospice. Absolutely. Um, I would, again, would love to be able to go and see it. Mark, if you just want to put this back a week and a half so that it can be the Christmas holidays, maybe I'll come and see you then. But a couple of things, yet again, make me wish that we lived in Manchester. Um, if anyone here is listening is going to go along to it, please let us know how it is. you were going to say if anyone here wants to let us have a free house in Manchester. No, but if anyone wants to cover my class next Friday for a day, then um, we'll, we'll go up there. So I What did... do you want me to teach them? Um, I can teach them about... I think, they're doing cl- I think we're getting the clay out next Friday, Gemma. Oh, if we can all do... Did you hear about Ardman Studios going to run out of plasticine? What? It might be... Are you making up news again? <laughs> <laughs> I don't believe anything you say anymore. <laughs> it might not be true. <laughs> what need... is true, though, Michael? Is it this new Chicken Run sequel that they've just been making that's just used up the... It says we've got a national plasticine shortage. It's because of Brexit. Oh, yeah, it is, isn't it? But what is true is that Helen Flanagan is going to be in a theatre production of Cluedo 2. Now, we might be able to go and see this because this is actually coming to Southampton next June. Um, So, Helen Flanagan, this is her first proper stage role, I think, and we've been wondering what she's going to be up to. We're still waiting for her to return to Corrie, and it looks like it ain't going to be happening in the next six months because starting on on, the 29th of February, she's going to be... Hang on, hang on. Let me guess which character she's going to be. I think... I think I've told oh, you. I think and she's going to re- be Colonel Mustard. That's how you know exactly she's going to be. Of, of course, you know. Notes. As soon as you hear Helen Flanagan is going to be included, you're Miss like, Scarlet. she's going to be Scarlet, isn't she? Yeah. Um, I'm like morbidly curious to go and see this, honestly. No, hang I, on, you what do you mean? You know, that sounds rude. Oh, it's not, not in that way. Not in that way. I'm just like, what do you mean? Could this be good? It sounds. Why are you being rude? I'm not about her. I'm just saying a stage show about Cluedo. You need it to sounds explain. a bit tacky. It sounds a bit cheesy. Jeez, I don't know, but I think that Helen Flanagan is fantastically entertaining. Um, and I would be very curious to go and see this. So What is this based on? Is this based on the original the movie Cluedo? Oh I don't know. Or Clue. Yeah, they call it Clue in America, don't they? I don't know. I don't know. But yeah, she's going to be playing Miss Scarlet in a UK tour. It goes from the 29th of February. And according to the website, you can get tickets all the way up to the 27th of July when it's going to be coming to Birmingham. Because it's touring all around the place. It's going to be in Southampton for four or five days in June. And um, uh, Helen Flanagan has put out an Instagram tweet um, showing how super excited she is about this. In fact, that's exactly what she says. She says... I'm super excited oh to announce that I'll be making my stage debut as Miss Scarlet in the UK tour of Cluedo 2, the next chapter. 
at Cluedo Stage Play. Heart emoji. I cannot wait to play this iconic character and start the tour early next year. Hope to see you in old theatre near you in 2024. Heart emoji. So there we go. It's going to be in April. It's going to be at the Lowry. It's going to be the Lowry Noble. There you go. Get along and see the Flanagan. And while you're there, tell her, come back to Corrie. We all really, really, really want you back. That would be amazing. Please. Thank you. It's a comedy farce. <laughs> oh, I think it's absolutely perfect that Helen Flanagan is playing Miss Scarlet then. Um, right. Last bit of news. Of course, it wouldn't be Cabin in Autumn without the Strictly update. Um, I did watch... Ellie Leach's performance last week. I've seen it on YouTube. I watched it yesterday. She did the Argentine tango to Bills, Bills, Bills. And you know Argentine tango? That's the one where they're all up close and making their legs go in and out of each other. Is it made famous by Adam's family? I was thinking Adam's family when I was watching it. And they're just doing little leg dances and doing all getting up close and personal and spinning all around each other and giving each other come hither eyes. And it was very, very good. Dancing around with roses in there too. She got 38 points, so down one point from last week's 39. But to tell you what, she still came top of the leaderboard. Very, very good. She's She has found her niche here as Ellie, Ellie Leach. And it makes me wonder, you know, is she going to... Do they like do Strictly tours? Is that a thing that happens? They go around the country. But um, anyway, I'm chuffed for her. And apparently she's hot favourite to win. And there's only two weeks left until the finale of this. So, um... You know, I might even... Can you vote in Strictly? I don't even know if you can vote in Strictly. I don't even know how it works. You're supposed to. Is it one that you vote? It's not a one that's... Oh, it's the Christmas one you can't vote for, isn't it? Because that's recorded in in October or whatever. But um, anyway, good luck, Ellie. If somebody wants to give us a nudge in two weeks' time, um, we may well vote. Um, We will be sitting watching TV because that's going to be Charlie DeMello's episode of Doctor Who that airs on that evening, I think. Oh, no, it's not. That's next weekend. But well, anyway, um, I've, I've waffled enough for, for the news. So unless anything else is happening, I think it's probably time to move on to some feedback. Feedback time. I'm, it's kind of feedback time. We were talking... Look, Michael's really tired. So what we're going to do is we're just going <laughs> to read sorry, out I'm the Facebook naked. scores. Um, and I think that uh, then we'll have to call it a night because Michael's literally falling asleep. I think I, I, I've been really He's bad these really last old. couple of weeks. I think, yeah, I think old age is creeping up on me. I don't, I can't do these all nighters anymore, and it's only twenty five past twelve. We used to do podcasting into the wee hours of like two o'clock in the morning, but, but we this do... weekend last week, I've been literally sitting there with my eyes closed. I thought I was invincible. It turns out maybe not. Okay. So I'm very sorry, anybody who sent us emails this week. Uh, <laughs> give them a bit of a skip, please forgive us. But we will, we will see what. Um, just before we finish, people voted on the Facebook poll as the scores for last week's Coronation Street, and the average score of all the fine people that voted was three point four seven, which is fairly low, I think, for for Facebook group. But often, often they will rate higher than high, us. We quite high, didn't we? Well, no, we didn't last week. Oh no, we hated we, it. We, we 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 didn't like it so much last week, but everyone else. Thought it was okay, but yeah, usually I think that Facebook group goes higher. Um, Richard scored four little bowls of potpourri <laughs> in the women's toilets out of five. Jonathan, three budgies killed by a blow lamp out of five. <laughs> and Pat was my pick of the week, who gave it three prima donna uniforms on the dark web out of five. <laughs> God, Thank you to everybody who voted in that. And again, sorry for not being able to Thank read Thank you email. for writing in I need to did. go to sleep. 
Um, and if you want um, us to ignore your emails next week, you can email us at conversationstreet at gmail.com. This is still nearly a three hour long podcast. That's not too bad. We had half an hour story of meeting Julie Hesmanhouse. This is this is podcasting gold this week. Conversationstreet.podbean.com is our website. You can find us on it's, it's lovely. iTunes. Oh, Tell us what your if you got us in your Spotify Wrapped. Oh yes, I do please. want to just give that a little shout out. When was it? Yesterday, the day Who's before yesterday. Fan? People um, who who started posting that Spotify had been telling them how many hours of Conversation Street you've listened to this year. So thank you. Is I, I may not have replied or, or liked to many of them, but I saw them. I love and those. appreciated thank them. Thank you. It's very nice who's to know. The, who's the number one fan? Who's in our top one percent of listeners on Spotify? I still don't really understand. I I don't. What do you I mean don't, you don't understand? I don't do Spotify. What um, don't you understand? It's not No, I, I, it's not I don't understand it. I just don't do it. I don't know who cares. <laughs> but I don't I'm either. glad that you guys I don't out there do. I was really excited. I was like, oh, what's it going to say? And then I went on there and it said, no, you don't you listen You haven't listened to Spotify at all this year. Um, well, yeah, I thank use you it to listen to Art that. Bell. Thank you very much. Um, but he's pro- dead, so. Oh, well. Um, don't forget, we had our, 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 if you're a Patreon, thank you again. And we have got our new episode that just came out yesterday where we counted down our top five disgraces to the medical profession. We also had our Vernon Tomlin character profile. And um, it's not been taken down yet, even though we added a five to ten second clip of Don't Fall Into the Mason's Arms as part of it. Um, we are... What else? I, I can't remember what else we said. Twitter, Fine, Facebook. Worry, we're on iTunes review. Patron. We're still... Begging for iTunes reviews. It's been months. All I want for Christmas. Oh, yeah, it's Christmas time. Give Don't us a five-star review on iTunes. You can no edit them. star ones. Um, but that's about it. Thank like you. Like I said, I don't... Sorry, I, I just you can talk, but don't say go, because what do you want to say? What were you going to say? I was just going to say apologies in advance if we don't have a bonus podcast next week. You already said week. this. I know, but I'm saying it at the end Listen, as well. don't apologise all the way through the, the podcast. I feel bad. I feel like, oh, it's to people. To do two podcasts do two of many hours a week. Podcasts where we get no advertising either. Yeah. The only revenue we get from doing this is from YouTube. Uh, yeah, the YouTube and the and Of course, we. Something. It doesn't make like we appreciate you guys, but I don't think anyone thinks that they need us to do two episodes a week. Hopefully, you're all busy with lovely Christmassy things as well, so you won't miss us if we don't. Loads do of people one. don't even and do the full year of a podcast. I know. I Loads know. of people ta- actually take Christmas off. Yeah, but if, if Coron- when Coronation Street takes Christmas off, then we take Christmas off. Um, but yeah, we will. We will at least in the next two weeks have the nominations for the Conversation Street Awards, and I can't wait because there was a lot of fun to do. So I hope you're yeah, looking forward to those two. And um, and you're going to vote and tell every other people to vote as well. Um, well done to our pe- competition winner um and that's it how much are you extend this for um that that's you really told me you really were tired and you wanted to go to bed no i'm probably tired and then you you, you do you give apologies at the end of this like you do, like an oscar speech or something <laughs> i'm you? playing you off it's time to finish thank you for listening we really do appreciate you but I you we do. all got to go to bed don't we including you even if you're listening to this <laughs> even if you listen to this at nine o'clock Just in the morning nap. have a nap yeah. You really could do with a nap. I know you could. Just close your eyes. Fingers crossed that Coronation Street is good next week. Come on, Corey. Just dream of Coronation Come Street. Come on. The music for this episode <laughs> came from podcastthemes.com. Good night. Good night.